With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's September the 22nd, 2016, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker goes by the name R. Lotus Justice. Um... And welcome to you. I'm so glad to get you on our call. Well, I'm glad that I was. Uh, you were able to get a hold of me. Yeah, me too. And thank Listen, you for the invitation. You're welcome. Let me ask you, how do you what do you, what do you want me to call you? Lotus. That's what my mom calls me. Okay, Lotus. Yeah. Well, yeah. you got the little R there ahead of it, and I didn't know what that's. If you wanted me to call you R. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, some friends know what that stands for. It's one of those things. Uh, you know that if you don't know my father, you don't know me, kind of things. So it's funny because they actually asked me that in court because that's um, or form. I, I could use court, you know, obnoxiously. But um, uh, that's, well, I mean, you know, he's the small ones this court. You know, every time he says it you know, ah. and, then, and emphasizes it with intent because they're not courts, they're banks. So. Yeah. Well, you know, well, you know yeah. what? You can talk about, I, you know, I've looked, I've watched some of your videos I like the mm-hmm. way you you you're very um, good at explaining things to people, and that that's what most of us need. You know, we need it broken down and explained so we understand what's going on. And I'm so glad you're on. I love what you have to say. So you can just have the floor. <laughs> and well, is it worth? Well, what what videos have you watched? What videos have you happened? Well, first off, you know, I think um, the videos started. For me, I mean, I just got out of prison in January for serving a year for pretty much, you know, standing up for my constitutional rights. And um, and that's fine because, it, you know, that's part of my path. And uh, it allowed me to see the underbelly of the system. And I thought that the injustices were bad on the forum side, the bank side. But when you get into the human trafficking side of it, it's even it's it's egregious, and it makes you very keen on what the whole system's about. So, you know, I can speak to the circumstances of where I think we are from a very personal, visceral perspective, which is really helpful in the law. Okay. Because it's about your nominon and what your heart and mind. You know, it's a philosophical argument. It's a very jurist means it's my justice, you know, it's, it's what I convey, you know, trying to, to, uh, help fellow men and women because that, you know, that's what a jural society is. Um, you know, the juries are supposed to be, um, interventions, (laughs) you know, of your caring neighbors and, um, of your peers, but they, but, uh, of, of a more communal spiritual, um, reality, you know, which in its origins, they were very spiritual people. So, and the, and the demon is, is a godless state. 
and um, they already knew that argument. And it doesn't matter the state. It doesn't matter if it's monarchical or ecclesiastic or civil form. It's still the trafficking of flesh, the reality, you know. They tax and tithe sure. the use of our usufruct of what is ours. And they seem foreign in this averment that, you know, and they make preposterous proclamations too. I mean, they own the world. I'm God of the world, stuff like that. So, you know, that's why it started for me, you know, getting out of prison and I was, I didn't, you know, you don't get the internet in prison. And I don't, I, I haven't watched TV in years. I think the most I watched TV was particularly news or CBS Sunday morning. I watched that often. I always uh, would highly suggest that show. So I watched that in prison because that was something I did all the time on the outs. But for probably about, I haven't really had a TV on in my house for more than, I don't know, maybe like two hours in like the last 10 years. Okay. So I don't really get my, my reality from that because fear mongering and there's a lot of propaganda and, a lot of disinformation, misinformation, and most things that we learn. I'm sorry. It's programming. Yeah, and it's it's called programming for a reason, right? right. Everything is, you know, um, and when you break, when your mind breaks free of the trappings of that paradox, you start to understand that they've always been telling you what it is. You just weren't listening. You know, you were, uh, you were not there. And so in a way... You know, their argument is not unfounded because if the preponderance of people, by their creation, but again, this is the free will paradigm, if by their creation they give you a um, reprobate option of lifestyle and say all you have to do is pay um, an an indulgence and you can do what you want and you choose that path, well, um, then you're going to get what you give, you know. And it's it's up to the free-willed, righteous individual, you know, kindness, consideration, grace, love, those good qualities, to operate uh, proper, because you should, because we can do anything here, you know, with the right blood oath to the right people. You could sell your soul and do anything you want. Um, so it's up to the man. So that's, you know, I get out of prison and, you know, I've done political activism for years at the grassroots organization. I've ran, I ran uh, seven wards for the Kerry campaign, turned them all Democrat. And actually they were independents because we had an independent platform. So, but they voted Democrat first time ever. So I've done all that back stuff. I come from that kind of family. And, um, you know, my family's been engaged in the creation of this country and the evolution of this country since its founding. So I was raised to be a proactive, politically, you know, geared citizen. And it was deemed my civic and public duty to contribute to the goodwill of our country and nation. Both my parents were social workers. My father worked in the state government. And social services at the state level, his whole his whole life, they went to college for this. They were part of the Kennedy generation, the call to serve your country. And my mother was, is, still alive. My father died while I was in prison, but 
my mother uh, served 30 years to the uh, as a civil a union civil servant with an oath to the Constitution for 30 years. So I was raised in a politically active family. And so I did, you know, grassroots stuff. I worked for campaigns. I was deeply embedded in it uh, during the Bush era. And I watched two elections get stolen and the corruption and racketeering from the backside of that and the posturing of attorneys and the systems of state. And then I helped facilitate um, the Occupy movement, you know, uh, with the college kids here and watched them be abrogated and hypothecated uh, by uh, attorneys coming in and offering their services for free and really undermining their cause, you know, that it was supposed to be a state, an unstate sanctioned action. And they would occupy. And then there would be a vulture of, of attorneys saying, well, we'll pay for your permit. And at the time, it never dawned on me what that was for. But I did see the, the behavior, you know, that accompanied that with the politicking and the manipulation of leaders and stuff like that by the attorneys themselves trying to guide this political activism with, well, you know, if you do that, you're going to get arrested, which, you know. They're telling the truth, but they're just supposed to advise you. They're not supposed to, if you ask for it. You know, if you if you listen to an attorney and you didn't ask for it, uh, he's actually engaging you in contract. If you listen to him, you're accepting his counsel. And if you accept the counsel of a of an agent of state, then you are his ward or her ward. I mean, that's how it runs. It's that weird politically, but on a philosophical construct, um, it's very manipulative. Uh, to maintain the status quo of a godless state. Because when you have a godless state, you know, you can create systems of racketeering in the middle between you and the first trust, which is God. And reprobate men can eat off of that trust and create systems of state that are full of murder, mayhem, vice, and sin, and all that stuff. And, you know... I haven't read a lot of French philosophers, but, you know, the one thing I remember about the French philosophers of the um, French Revolution was that they, they had discerned, and the French are very wise philosophically as a people. I've visited them uh, on two occasions. But that the state was there to remove men from his divine state, that that was the purpose of it, to lure him by free will out of the graces of God. And they're kind of right, you know. So I got out of prison, and I suffered a really bad head injury there, uh, which most people that know me feel was an attempt at my life, intentional. And kind of the facts kind of speak to that. But I, I, so I had a head injury while I was there. It was untreated. And uh, even still, I haven't really had time to go get an MRI or anything, but it was pretty bad. I had double vision and stuff like that. And when I got out, you know, head injuries kind of change your personality. So I went through all these really dramatic changes. I'm in the leper colony, so to speak, seeing the backside of these systems of state and the abuses in them. And I went to the hold, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight times for things like refusing to accept mail from an attorney that I did not know who was trying to solicit me. 
for uh, my client I have now just went to the whole for 14 days for signing her name uh, in a manner that's allowed by the UCC on schoolwork, on schoolwork. Uh, she put ARR after her name on her GED schoolwork, and it got her 14 days in the hole, and it also got her removed from the GED program, and she's required to get a GED on her judicial. So they removed her from her capacity to actually satisfy her plea, and this is what they do. Because it's really not about um, crime, it's about... Um, human trafficking. Yeah, it's and not about justice either. <laughs> no, it's not about any of that. In fact, the people who are incredibly criminal often are solicited by the state to take care of marks. Uh, there's a little bit of a backside of a friend of mine, and, and I knew her, and I talked to two other women, and it actually looks like there's a system of, of criminality where they'll take women who are recently widowed and send these men in. And these men will be very... Um, uh, have no problem luring a woman in and then starting to beat her and brutalize her. And then it will engage the municipalities and they'll find a way to put the woman in jail. And the man gets off scot-free and she's in there losing her house that she just got from her dead husband. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like these racketeering schemes. Yeah. They even and, foreclose on people that, that aren't in foreclosure. So, Oh, know. I know. Well, they, when I was in jail, um, we, if you're in jail long enough, which, you know, good prison, you're in jail for a little bit beforehand, and you'll see people, uh, they're bond runners. And you can tell what a bond runner is. They actually create fake, go, go look up in any municipal court, particularly the large city, and go look up John Doe as a defendant. And every one of those cases, which I think here when I look last time, there's like 500. Every one of those cases, most of the time, are unclosed. And they create entities, they create social security numbers, they create birth certificates at will to racket bonds. And what people don't understand is why. I think I think they understand that it's a system of human trafficking and bond racketeering, Babylonian shackling, blah, 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 all that stuff. It really is all that stuff. But the reason why is because we're in bankruptcy and we're still in the Civil War. And our lands were laid into a trust, Sustake. We actually have two Sustakes. Three. Three. We have one from the origins in the, in the War of Independence. That's a Sustake. Okay. Because that creates a marker of, of a banking platform. I don't know how to explain it, but when we became an independent nation, we were able to engage in treaties and all this other stuff that when we were just colonies and not independent of Britain that we didn't have. We became an independent trade platform in a way. And then we go forward and then we have the obfuscation of the original Tone Amendment in the War of 1812, which was a rebellion. And so that created the trust point. And because these are arguments against the usage of lands, okay? And because that's, that's what all tickets are. Um, a speeding ticket is an argument with a corporate officer that you're using the state-owned vehicle, not a carriage. They want to qualify you and your car as transferring utilities of commerce. And they disagree that you're driving that way because that car really isn't yours. It's the state's. It's the people's. Okay, and it, it really is everybody. 
because God owns all of this. We own nothing. We just control it transiently, you know. So that's the concept of a use effect. And so it's a disagreement about the usages of land or flesh if we're going to get to the spiritual aspect of it. And I speak to that in some of my videos. So, you know, I get out and I have all this stuff that I'm different and all my friends will tell you I'm different. And I, you can't go to prison or go to jail even or have those types of journeys and not be different. But I had an exceptional journey through prison and met, met some people who changed my life, had a, a lot of come to Jesus conversations. Because when you're in the hole, sometimes that's the only person that's there with you is God. And I remember sitting in the hole, I forgot to sit the sixth time. And it's, you know, prison is uncomfortable. You don't sleep. They starve you. I lost 30 pounds in a month. They starve them. They literally do. Um, and uh, I'm sitting there in the hole, which, you know, it, nothing is actually can be life-threatening, you know, because it's poor health care, poor mental health care, you know, things like that. But And there are people that actually commit suicide in prison because, you know, you can get drugs in prison. It's a choice when people don't do drugs because it just costs more, you know, scarcity of product. But I'm sitting in prison in the hole one of the last times, and I remember, you know, having this conversation with God saying, you know, I love you, but I'm really tired of just talking to you. I'm really tired of being alone in my journey because it really felt like, I mean, because everything I, everything you do is ultimately alone. But, um, and then, you know, I get out of that hole and I meet these one, I meet some, some really wonderful people after that. And I saw that as a sign, you know, as a, as an affirmation, which I look for all the time. And, uh, and not so much, I mean, you know, when I talk about God, you're like, I'm not, I don't qualify myself as if I had anything, I'd be a Buddhist, you know, but I'm very versed in Christian faith and Christian tenets because I come from a Roman Catholic family and I sat in the pews as a child uh, through two Roman services a day with my grandmother while she babysat me. So I've heard the Bible and I've read the Bible. And so I know that. So it's really easy for me to speak to an allegory and metaphor. Uh, but when I went to prison, understanding um, more of the paradigm and one of the few things you get in the whole is a, is a Bible. And I had made sure I had a Bible uh, whenever I went to prison, mostly because I've never really had the time to read the Bible from beginning to end. And I thought, well, prison would be a good time. Right. So uh, I'm in the hole and I'm, you know, reading the Bible and I'm sitting here talking to my, you know, to my God about how I just feel really lonely in this path. And, I'm be really happy when this is over. I was just barely through half of it. And um, I was reading the Bible, and I come to the parable of the hundred seeds. And it's not so much that the Bible, or any, I mean, even when I read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, even when I read uh, really incredibly philosophical case law from the old days where this young man wrote 179 pages about why men are free, you know. Even when I read those, I can see the law in them. So I was reading the Bible, and when you read the Bible and you understand that it's full of law through allegory and metaphor, and sometimes blatantly, you know, like a trespass, the fee for a trespass in Romans is the cost of the trespass plus one-fifth. They've turned it around to be five times, in compensatory, but there are rules in the Bible that are laws that we follow in our system of governance, our system of judiciary. So 
I get to the part about the hundred seeds and it spoke to me because here I thought that my path and my burden was to change the whole world. And it felt like a very heavy burden. And what that parable told me was that I just have to, to change one and that that's really all we're asked to do one in a hundred. And so if all you have to do in your life is affect a true spiritual change in one person for your whole of your life, I think most people, you know, if they try to be righteous and try to good, do good deeds can do that because the metaphor is, is that one, you know, will cast a hundred and just hopefully has just that one, but you may get 40 or 50. So a great yoke was lifted off me because I realized that ultimately the only one that I have to change is me. And that if I just, if I'm just that one seed and I just do right, that I will change the world because that's what Jesus tells you. And that's what all prophets tell you is the power of one. So there really, so I'm sitting here in this hole, you know, for, I don't remember how many times I was in that time, 10 days, maybe. And having this conversation with how weary I was spiritually and beat down, physically beaten. Uh, at that time, I think I was using a wheelchair for my head injury. And uh, I got this great message, which came to me. You know, I reasoned and logic it using metaphor and allegory that was available to me. And it was a random, you know, I just opened the Bible. That's about, I mean, just like when I open law books, I go to the library and just open the annals of Congress and start reading and listen and read their conversations that are dictated by the scribes, the good ones, not the bad ones, the good ones, and read these profound statements by these really, really, really enlightened people. And I look at our society now and go, well, now I know I have all those problems because no one knows what's going on. And that's because they're running around in a godless state and they're not trying to find their spirituality. And that's the whole argument. That's the whole argument. So I get out and I see all this stuff with the racial divide. And I understand that part of the game is to create a trust and to renew, to create a new banking platform and for the Pope to come in and put everything in a land trust to suffocate instead of actually closing the trust and having them have to account for all their executor decisions and all of their uh, accounting of assets and adjustments across the ledger of that trust. They want to keep having you do these things. And so I get out and I'm in prison and we're all the same there, black, white, it don't matter. No one really has that issue. That type of issue isn't allowed because it's considered a security risk. So everyone's pretty much the same on that way. And you come out here and they're trying to facilitate a racial war for the purposes of creating a rebellion. Because if you have a rebellion in a culture, in a state, an all-out rebellion, a civil war, then the Pope can come in and the bankers can come in and they can set all your lands aside in trust. And if you have a trust under that, it sits, it's there unclaimed, unsettled. You know, so it's like a, this cascade. So they've created all these trusts on trusts on trusts on trusts under the, under the hypothecation that the Pope owns the world. Okay? That he owns your flesh 
and he is the vicar, the serene of Christ's word. And you have to, and, and this is actually in the um, the Jesuit oath, it actually brings up the term legal in that. And that's, you know, one of the, the oldest documents that I've read that the term legal is used. And they use the term legal for the law of the post. In where so you see that? Where? In, the, in, the Jesuit, in the Jesuit oath that's, I think, in the Library of Congress. Okay. And the Jesuits don't give a blood oath to Jesus. They give a blood oath to the Pope, who is considered God of this world. Which, when I tell Christians that, kind of really trips their head out, because deep-rooted people who read the Word in its strictest sense perceive that that if there's a God, a man deity, a sub deity, running around professing to be the ruler of the world, that would be Lucifer. So, banking is a form of spiritual tithing. What you choose to do, who you choose to support, what you choose not to do, how you, you know, the color you paint your house. You use the choice, the monetary system, through free will to define your personage, your 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 joie de vivre, your surrogates, and most people aren't really perceiving it as an exchange with a guy who's the vicar of Christ. Okay, they're not really perceiving money and wealth in that spiritual fashion. But again, remember, we don't own anything. We have title by occupancy of our bodies. That's a law. But most people don't know how to defend that. They think they own your body, the vessel of your soul. Because the vessel was made of the land by your mother. She's the maker. But the land that she used, except there's a god in there. And this is the beauty of the argument of, of female goddess. Because the mother gets to, divine the, to define the value of the vessel she created for your soul. Because she made it through a gift of God. So there's no man, there's nothing in there between the making, okay, the spirit gets there, and then the mother makes you with the hand of God from the land. She takes the flesh and regurgitates spirit, okay? So she's the artist. And she gets to define the value of that in their system. That's why they have to get the mother in, in most states, although, like I said in one of my videos, in, in the, the, the state of men and women that I dwell in, they don't even require the mother, the maker of the vessel, to sign the birth certificate, which is all out theft, because that's like taking a painter, putting him in a prison, and every time he paints a painting, you steal it from him, and then you go sell it for your own goods, because that's basically what they're doing. So they steal the child, the vessel. They don't care about the spirit. They steal the flesh. Because in Baal worship, that's what they do, is they take note and categorize and commoditize anything material, flesh. And they don't really see the difference between your body and the drywall in your house. Because to them, your spirit is separate, which it is. So you're just a spirit floating around in a, in a flesh vessel 
that they profess to own. They don't profess to own your spirit. They profess to commoditize the vessel of your, of your soul, your body. And so people don't understand that it's that kind of transient thing and that money is a hypothecation of flesh to the spirit. It's a unit of, of reality control because if I give all my money to an evil empire, then what do I bring to the world? You know, it's that kind of thing. And the banking system are the people that are there to make sure that uh, your sins are accounted for and that, that every sin that you do and every act of lawlessness you do and even the good acts are commoditized so that when the books have to be called in, we can find out who won the bet. Is a godless state given free will divine? Or, and thus, you know, perfecting or uh, making the concepts of uh, God's argument of free will? You know? Or was Lucifer right? It's that kind. It's really that kind of thing. It, it, strangely enough, it is. And so people have to understand that the law that's afforded to them has a hierarchy. Um, you know, you have maritime law, which is the furthest from God's law. And that's this ethereal law of power, prize law, piracy. Uh, and it's being affected, you know, on the land. Um, and then there's the admiralty. And these are all, you know, written in the Constitution, the the. The, the laws are set by their hierarchy. There's law, equity, admiralty, and maritime. And they are in that order in that the first is the highest going to maritime. And then there's admiralty, which is the law, which is the law of vessels upon the high sea, commerce and vessels. And in admiralty law, the captain makes the law. Okay? So the rules of the admiralty are different. And then you have equity. And equity is kind of a special place because it's the tra- it's the traverse between contract and and man so because all men are in contract and when i say men i say men i mean men and women because the word men is in the word women so so simple but if, if it's a contract on the high seas it's still a contract if it's contract on the land it's a contract you have a trustless god that's your first trust and there's a contract there I don't know that we come here knowing what it is, but I assure you, you have a contract with God. He does have some expectations. He, he, she, God, father, mother, you know, has an expectation and hopes that you're happy. And I hope happy and loved is basically all that I can tell that God, mother, father, what's because I, I haven't really seen, I really haven't seen anything of evil. I mean, now that I, the more I see of evil, the more I realize that it's all inherently designed by God. So, that's a real hard one for me. But, but I talk too much. What, what questions? Do you have any questions? Um, no one has their hand up yet. If anybody would like to ask a question, press star eight. You know that routine and how it works. And Sometimes it takes so, a minute or two. There's a lot of callers, though. But there's like... Well, so I get out, and I see this, this troubling um, construct of people being mad at each other and we shouldn't be mad at each other first uh we should be very considerate 
kind and give each other grace because we're all being lied to. And it's really hard to act rational when you're being lied to. I don't know how many of your callers have been married and had someone not tell the truth. (laughs) And afterwards, you feel like a fool because you made decisions based upon lies. And it's hard to make... It's hard to make, uh, and that's the problem with fraud. That's why fraud, which is what the law of equity is there to discern, is when a fraud has been committed. When someone has failed in the contract and failed in their fiduciary responsibilities, usually with intent. So if in the law of equity you can prove failures in fiduciary responsibilities, uh, just even if it's accidental, then that's a, still a fraud. And then there's the construct of structured contracting frauds, you know, the abuses of contract. So equity really is about the, the law of contract and between all forms, chanceries in there, all that stuff's in there. But it's really about engaging in contract, lawful contract. And when you engage in contract, if you assign someone to be a trustee of your state or if you've become insane, or infirmed, or sick, or ill, or incarcerated, because you're considered a bankrupt when you're incarcerated. Homeless, indigent. I mean, I, I can't remember the words now. I think it was, I'll think of it in a minute. It was amazing what they called me. It was an incredible insult. I thought, how do you ever qualify someone like that? Um, but, um, and it had to do with basically saying that I was, I was worthless in all categories, spiritually, emotionally, friendship-wise, and monetarily. This is what they declare you in when you come in chains before this judge, this administrator of bankruptcy. And um, so equity is there. And when they set aside the last trust, uh, they, which, is, which is upon the states, created by the second 13th Amendment, which I haven't done a video on, but I'm, I'm working on that. Just been really busy with trying to save a child uh, from human trafficking. And, um, but they voted like 20 days before the Civil War to allow the states to define and, and, and forbid the federal government. It was a forbidding. They were setting aside that the federal government has no capacity to define for the states who is held a peonage or slavery. And they voted unanimously, and 20 days later, the Civil War started. And this was actually an amendment that was passed, I think, by Illinois during uh, a constitutional convention after the Civil War. Okay, but so that's an implied trust. The state said, "Hey, we're all going to vacate the federal government. We're going to pull back because the federal government had become so cooed at that time." They pulled the state banks back and created a, a land, an implied trust between the states, and they were then infiltrated. Okay, and they were bankrupted in Nixon. Okay. So you have all these trusts. Well, you have world bankers abrogating all of your assets. They're holding your estates, your shadows in your estates in a trust because we're too insane to manage our own affairs because we're busy being prodded into war with each other. And all they have to do is keep us at war with each other and they can keep the trust going and they can keep abrogating and hypothecating but the beauty of it is, is it's on a negative ledger. So if I create a trust and I'm a trustee, so I create the trust, I get myself assigned the trustee or the executor. 
And then I start running the estate in negative. Is that a failure in fiduciary responsibility? Yes. And that's what they're telling you. So the way to resolve our issues is to look at them as our trustees to our states and shadows. They're supposed to the United States corporate state, which is a conglomeration of state franchises uh, of transferring utilities that are licensed in each state because only states have the capacity to license corporations. So the, the way you have to create a federal corporation is that each state has to license it as a corporation within the state itself through their systems of franchises. So the United States corporation company is a franchise in each state of the United States. And they have created basically uh, Enron. <laughs> and they're using this federal system to manage your bankruptcies through systems of maritime auxiliary claims and bankruptcy. And they're managing your property, your body, everything. And every time they manage you, and every time you cash a check, and every time you pay a dollar bill, and every time you pay a parking ticket, they make money on that side of the ledger. And people don't understand that until we stop the insanity and understand that this is a spiritual discussion of where we are going to go as an entangled world, are we going to continue to allow people to provoke us into fighting each other on the streets? Because we couldn't even have a common law grand jury at this time. There's not enough people that are conscious or not busy just basically trying to survive. I mean, we've created a system of government and a, and a system of social services. I mean, how many people don't even know their neighbors? How are you supposed to have a jury of your peers? Yeah, but there's a lot of groups getting together and creating um, juries. Right. So Yes, but but the but yeah. here's that's that's a really good way to put it. They're creating juries. But the way the law is, those juries are only have jurisdiction on the people who join to create it. Yeah. You know, that's all. So if 45 people show up in a town hall meeting and don't use the proper systems of law, because there are rules to creating common law grand juries, they require open ballot elections within the county, regulated by the sheriff where people come forth and are elected, just like the electoral college used to be elected in the state before the pre-Civil War era, and the electoral college was set aside by an act where it says that if the states fail to elect electors, they shall be appointed for them by the governor. So the states just stopped having elections for the electors and coup, and thus created the electoral college, which is now run by the, by the attorneys. So... Heck, we can't even get people to go vote in a regular in a regular election. You want to now vote for juries and an electoral college like you used to? Because people were engaged. They understood that the systems of state were there to preserve your independence and your capacity to affect your own, like, concept of life, you know, as long as you don't, as long as you don't break, you don't hurt anybody, 
and you don't disturb the purpose, uh, the public peace, the public trust, you could pretty much you can do anything, really, even in private contract. You're allowed to privately contract however you want. That's what marriage is. Yeah. That's why it's a solemn vow. The only person between you and your wife or husband is God. God not the state. And in fact, not the state. And and in fact, you and your wife or your husband get married in the woods, and, and, and this is in the Bible, and, and invoking God as witness, that puts that binding of the flesh into the, into the heavens, same as above, same as below. And that's a contract no state, nobody, nobody can be between. But when you put a preacher there, guess what? That preacher, he's a vicar of Christ. Yeah, servant. He works for the state. And he works for the state. The state is, all the states work for the Pope because they don't, they're not states. They just wear a different uniform. They don't have the money and the hypothecation of zeros after their, quote, uh, imaginary bank accounts because there's no money there. I mean, they have big vaults with gold. So do we. They're up in the mountains. There's supposed to be all these vaults and mining things with gold all over the United States. There's supposed to be tanks and everything else hidden all over this land. I have no doubt. Our people are not stupid. You know, we've come from immigrants that came from that, we know. But it's all zeros that are imaginary. My dad just say two times zero is still zero, man. You can have 69 zeros after your name, but if you don't have material wealth or the instruments to show how you bought it, guess what? You're just a, you're just the oil, snake oil salesman running through the town with your little bottles of nothing. They got nothing. What they have is our will. And we make them a state. We make them a nation. And you're casting your morality to them. And this isn't about, oh, I hate gays, I hate blacks. This is, that's not. There's no color to the soul. There's no gender to the soul. The soul has no political affiliations or declared religious orientation. The soul just is. And you choose your outward appearance, your presentments, or God chooses it for you to teach you something. And so this isn't about, well, I'm going to, because the KKK had a Bible that said blacks were this or that. I can make a religion out of anything. Religion is just the politicalization of spirituality to control reprobate men or to give reprobate men an excuse or something to hide behind to affect their sense. And then you can just pay for them, by the way. Just buy them off. Just like, you, know, you, you pay your fine for your driving drunk and putting the whole world at risk. I mean, there's a need for law. I don't see much of it. Do you have a car? I have several carriages. Yes, I do. Do you put at this time, do my... they have license plates on them? Oh, no, no they do not. I'm just asking because there's a chat, mm. the chat room there asking questions. Um, actually, the way I got stopped was what started this whole foray to prison was I said, screw this crap. Uh, I stop. I don't have a, I don't have a driver's license. In fact, I should put I should put the video of my case file uh, of my video when I got. So I got I decided I'm going whole hog. Right. I run a, I, I run a business. Uh, several businesses. I've, I've written my own contracts for years. I understand business. And I understand business law. And I understand trademark, service mark, and all that trust. I do my own taxes. I understand corporate taxation. Okay. And I decided, screw this. I'm going to not have a driver's license. I let expire. And I was riding around with no driver's tags on even my, my because uh, I do uh, home remodeling. But it's like a big, it's a big, um, it's a big toolbox. I don't make money driving the thing. It's a toolbox. 
It's like a farm equipment, right? Because if you're a workman, you're not making money when you're driving. At least I don't. But when your tools get on the side and you start doing something, creating a reality, that's when you make money. So to me, it's no different than farm equipment. It's transferring utility. It's not supposed to cost money. I don't have to, I don't have to license it. So they catch me driving. I've been doing this for about six months. No, it was only four months. I think. They catch me, and I'm driving, and they already have me on the radar, you know, because I had already demurred to the state and all that stuff. Oh, boy. That just popped their head up. Oh, they, I, they're done. <laughs> I've perfected that. They don't mess that. I just don't, I don't travel now uh, in, uh, as the captain of the vessel, of the carriage, because uh, people are concerned that if they, that if they, I did, that they would try to pull over and end, end me. <laughs> so my mother asks me not to drive or to travel at this point in time without her being uh, my captain. So uh, even though it's my my carriage, uh, I get I get kind of chauffeured around. You know, I pay her a quarter for every ferry. Okay, but, but do you uh, have a license plate on there? Oh no! And uh, so on her car, just, she does. Oh. On mine, no, no, no. On mine, I do not. So when and, you say and I would not, captain, and I won't have. She's not. Yeah, driving she's the captain of of your. your she's car? not driving mine. No. Oh, okay. She she's not driving mine. No. No, uh, but th- so I was, I was, dr- I was traveling in my carriage without a license plate or driver's license. I like that because I, that's the car is an abbreviation for carriage, isn't it? Carriage, yeah, the carriage. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. So, a moment there, excuse me. Right, because it's not, it's not, it's not a motorized vehicle when it's a carriage. <laughs> so you know, we're we're traveling, and we get pulled over, and they decide to arrest me and beat me up for a non-arrestable offense because my driver's license nor my cards were expired past the time which were, when it was an arrestable offense. And uh, so I think, I don't even remember what those charges were, but I go, and I was mad because it was St. Patrick's Day and I'm part Irish, so I was really pissed. So um, I think we were getting ready to go. I think we were ready to go get a beer. I think it was actually St. Patrick's Day. So they put me in jail on a Friday, and I get out on a Sunday after my mother posts bond. And uh, I go to the hearing on Monday with a demure counterclaim and a cross-claim. I know how to do this stuff. You know? And this was just by action. I read later that in Title 28, you know, if you want to challenge personal jurisdiction, you have to do within 10 days of the charges you have to throw a demure counterclaim and cross-claim on. So I walk in there with all this and have this. 45-minute conversation with after all the games. They didn't even call the case. They were getting ready. They were putting their coats on. I had like six witnesses there. They're all putting their coats on. They're like, why are you here? And I'm like, well, you know, I have this summons to come. I'm the executor of this instrument, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they go and find it in the pile, right? And so I have this 40-minute conversation with this uh, administrator, which I had, I had had several conversations with. And she... I proceed to show her, you know, I'm here for the probate. I'm here for the settlement. And I have all the appropriate instruments. Here's the certificate of live birth. Here's the uh, Social Security trust account. Here's the, uh, it, it was expired at the time, but here's the uh, license, you know, that. And we had this whole argument about how, why they have, they think that my face is the instrument because your face is on it. And I sit and have this philosophical conversation for like 45 minutes with the administrator. And, you know, she starts giving away the skinny in this video because we have it, I think, in two videos, or I, I, people have brought two videos to me. Oh, and these attorneys, on, these attorneys, 
No, it's not. I have it. It's, it was. It wasn't even allowed to be brought forth in the in the trial, oh. and uh, so I probably should put it on YouTube. It's yeah. quite interesting, but because it's the conversation, I actually have the uh, transcript as well. But uh, we have a conversation basically about how I don't own the instrument, and she says, "Well, did you agree? Didn't you agree to do that?" And I was like, "Absolutely not." When when I signed my this this little instrument here, did you tell me that I was going to be physically held to the, the surety of this instrument? We were having this conversation. So these attorneys start showing up because she's talking too much, right? And they start throwing um, cases. This guy comes and he says, you're out. Judge uh, Peebles, I need these slams this case. So they're interrupting a trial or a hearing in progress. And next thing you know, I'm arrested for failure to appear while I'm standing right there in front of this administrator uh, with all the instruments. And she admits that she sees my face. She's, you know, and then, you know, of course, the warrant wasn't wasn't perfected. I have these attorneys that come in the room, jump me, they pile drive me uh, on top of the cop. I get three broken ribs. The cop gets uh, trapped under me. He's fine. He has a little cut of said I knew the guy was a really nice old retired guy. I felt horrible that they had because I had attorneys literally jump on me. And and just you know yes it was it's fun I mean they 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 jump on me and I get three broken ribs three broken ribs that are that are broken outward which means compression snaps three of my ribs out oh, and uh, so painful it, it, and then I got to sit in jail for two weeks and all this other stuff with nothing so on metal bunks that was quite fun um, but uh, but so I got arrested you know I spent a year in prison. For being, they never charged me with resisting arrest, and they had nothing to arrest me for, okay, other than failure to appear. Uh, and so I got sent to prison because I basically would not ever surrender my claim and uh, against them for their failures of fiduciary responsibilities, frauds, abuses. And, you know, I've perfected those in equity uh, because. Uh, they defaulted on demurs and or failed in their fiduciary responsibilities to answer certain administrative requirements. But, you know, you can create money in the law. People are like, well, how do we change the banking? How do we create that? Well, instruments of law become instruments of wealth. That's what they've got us under. They're using trust law to hold us to Roman civil law instead of the common law. But the Roman civil law is an administrative law for the purposes of effecting bankruptcies. Okay. For lands and trust. So the Pharisees guy up there in the black robe, his Pharisees, he's the trustee. And you got this guy coming over here who's Damascus State, and he's professing that you're insane ruining the vessel that they own. And so since you're ruining the vessel that they own, because you can't seem to behave right, they're going to take the vessel from you and not allow you to roam freely anymore. And you do the wrong things in their administrative process and in the law, and you define yourself as insane and a ward of the state. And there goes your bond slavery. But you're intentionally miseducated and made to be lured to never think about, well, is this the right thing to do? What am I? Who am I? You know, basic Descartian philosophy. Am I a righteous man? You know, because the systems of law, according to Aristotle, the whole system of law, is to make the wor- the world better for the for the man and the family, the unit, and that men and women create marriages, men and women then create families, 
then they take those families and create communities. Those communities create villages. Those villages create cities. Those cities create states. Those states create nations. At every level of organization of a society is supposed to be for the betterment of all the members of it. And the systems of law that govern that are supposed to be for the betterment of all. So that's why the concept of American common law and it defining the usufruct of the world with this phenomenal organic instrument being um, so unique. And anyone who uh, you know understands the organic nature of the instrument of the Constitution understands that it was the first instrument of its kind. It created a fourth crown. It, the other three crowns being the other systems of law. You have monarchical, ecclesiastic law. Then you have Roman civil law. And you have monarchical law. Well, we have common law. And we have common law in a special form because our common law is about the morality of individual contract of the sovereign and their use of the usufruct, the, the, the collective wealth. We're supposed to be righteous and we're supposed to be going around the world and we're not supposed to be damaging the gifts from God. We're only supposed to be using it for the goodwill of all. That's what a sovereign does. That's what the real sovereign, the big S, the kind that is a, that that the culture that the society says that's a wise man, that's a, that's the shaman there, that's the chief that we all agree. He didn't get it because he was born to it. He got it because of his actions and his knowledge. And that woman right there is a good mother. You know, those types of s sovereign, not the one that you got because you're the boss's son. Your dad was the last king. You got elected by a whole bunch of people that elected themselves to elect you. Not that little S sovereign, that big sovereign. You're supposed to be walking around like a big sovereign, doing everything that you do for the betterment of all. Because if you do that, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be wealthy in every respect, in the way, in the type of wealth you're supposed to have. Instead of this hypothecation of a bunch of rich men's bets on whether or not they can get that state to war with that state because they make money when they get that state to war with that state. So they're like, they're like death dealers. They're like the guy that bets against you in a fight because that's how they make their money. So you can see if that's the point of the state, they're not really the way it is run now, you know, the way it is run now, that's the point of the state because we're failing in our duties. I mean, as citizens of a republic, we're supposed to be proactive in what we do. We're supposed to be monitoring and making sure that the basic tenets of the law are being affirmed by not just ourselves, but by our culture. But we don't get to go stick a gun, someone says, and say we're the law, because that's antithetical. We're supposed to do it by philosophical discourse. Coming into a room with 24 people and having people bring you their troubles and saying, well, I don't really think that's a crime. Do you think it's a crime, Bob? And the 24 of you, because you're wise, because you understand the law, and you know that what you're sitting here hearing about from people with troubles and conflict is supposed to be for all men and women in equality, in equity. Not inequity, as in not enough, but in, in equity. 
that's a real, that's one of those attorney words. When you put the I in with the equity, it means the opposite. But inequity versus iniquity are two different things. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with, so if you can't, if you, the first step for me when I came out was to do that first video where I'm like, look, this is where you're at. So, Y'all being mad at each other, it doesn't help at all. The thing we need to be doing is talking and 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 coming to a dual consensus. And I love, you know, I like the concept of a bunch of people getting together and saying, we're going to change things and we're going to do this. But the way the law works, the law of this land, as it's affirmed in positive case law, is, and I could, I could, it's Gruden versus Neil, I believe, where it talks about since we set aside the monarchical systems and gave all men the fourth crown, which is the right of kings unto themselves. I mean, there's a fourth crown in law that literally the people who came here as descendants from the European monarchy or even just Europe in general. The people who came here before the fall of London in 1666 were given foreign sovereign immunity to this land, and they were from meaning they were they be, they were given separation from the whole three other crowns: the Roman civil law, the monarchy, and the ecclesiastic law. King James gave us foreign sovereign immunity. He said, "You guys are kings of kings and queens among queens." Okay, and we had freedom as kings and queens. We did not need a writ. Okay, we didn't need a writ. We could access banking as men and women individually, men mostly. But we kept those people who came from here before 1666 by the fourth crown, which is established in law, literally are kings and queens. We just don't run around with our with crowns on our head. Okay, there's tons, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of kings and queens running around from the lineage of those founding fathers and mothers that came here to this land. And I'm not discounting the natives because they are kings and queens as well. But the ones who are of European descent that came here before the fall of 1666 and the abrogation of the crown of the uh, British Empire to the, to the Pope and the Rothschilds, that before that, everyone who came here before that and was on this land had foreign sovereign immunity. And they were separated from the other three crowns, and it created a fourth crown where all men and women are kings. The pop, a popular crown is, I don't know, it's just the crown where the, the man and the woman who are made of the land are the keepers and the vicars of Christ, okay, are the vicars of God. We define what wealth and money is, and we define what the law is, and we say this, that all men are equal under God, that all men have unalienable, substantial rights that no state of other men may put aside. And they are thus, blah, 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 blah. And so they established the law of the land, not just here, because there's no boundaries to the Constitution. They established the law of all land, of all known land. It's all land, all men, all women, the whole earth. And their system of legal, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but the Supreme Court, has said that the Constitution only extends to the boundaries of the water lines of blah, 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 the United States. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Where is there a a boundary in the Constitution? Do you know where where does it ever define 
it's it's a writ of law. It's a writ of God law. It's the first time that the maxims and tenets of what was the nomina of man. So what they did is they got together and said, hey, if we're going to form a governance, a system of state, of general communal spiritual society that gets together and talks about what should be right, commerce, in a local governed facility, you know, the men and the men and women in the county get together and they decide what law should be because they have different systems of commerce. What's good for a county that has a lot of sheep may not be good for a county that mines. You know what I'm saying? So you're supposed to be local control and bring bring moral, moral capitalism to the world. How would we structure a government? Okay, and it's a great structure, and and it's it's a wonderful structure. And they had this idea, right? So they put this, these are the laws, but their idea of the man and the woman being able to be a bank, to be the purveyors of what was wealth versus before, where wealth was defined on what the Pope said and what the King said and what you know what all these other people said. That's what determined what money was. We decided here's what we consider money. If these if these natives trade in in beads and and uh, and um, you know goatskin, that's wealth. You know, it's that it's that independent contract. But the systems of state weren't there to regulate it. And if if it's a general society of righteous men and an unrighteous man hops in it, what happens to the system becomes unrighteous. And so it's a great system, but now we need to get the people in it that are actually running the systems of state to follow the law. If you can do that by saying, hey, you're failing in the abrogation of my debts and my estate and my shadows, because see, we're kings. We're supposed to be having our states handled for us. Okay? They're not handling our states. They're they're stealing. They're trafficking in children. They're violating which by equity, you know, you can't you can't contract with children. It's against the law to contract with children. It's against equity to engage in infidel contract. Totally unlawful. But that's what they do every day when a child is born. It's the first thing they do. Before the child puts their foot on land, they put, they take an imprint of their foot. You know what that print's called? It's called a soul plate. Oh, how interesting. So that print is printing your soul. Okay. So they create a contract with your soul when you're born. Now, you know, it's really about people saying, well, what is really bothering me? And making the argument, because as I told a friend of mine, he was he's not a very good writer, but he had a very strong conviction. He's a very convicted young man because he'd been a bond slave since he was six. His first arrest when he was six years old for selling cigarettes on the street corner so he could eat for a quarter. And they put him in juvie for six months. And as he got older, every time the city needed money, they'd always seem to find him. And they just turn him through, turn him through and turn him through and turn him through. There are people that are treated like that in our society. People don't even understand that. That they're just there. It's like a turnstile jails. And then um, they're, you know, they're the disenfranchised. They're the meek. You know? That's what I call them, revolving so, door courts. They're, they're doors they are. are constantly revolving. They don't suffer during depressions or, oh, know, 
no. or recession. No, in fact, or... they make more money. They make more money then. Because they they would make they wouldn't make any money. They wouldn't make any money any other time because they're bankruptcy courts. I mean, and you know, that's it, they don't want anybody into... to be prosperous. You know, it really well, it's, it, well, well, in a way, I mean, you know, they're, they're not an evil day because ultimately speaking, here's what I'm going to tell you. Ultimately speaking, these attorneys have done exactly what they were doing. They've abrogated and hypothecated just by their path. They don't even know that they're, that they're servants to God as well. But in the end, we're going to bankrupt. It's considered a sting. Sting, okay? Our forefathers set a trap. They established an organic law that the Pope and his ecclesiastic orders knew that the only way that they could undermine would be by the sheer free will of the reprobate mind because the system isn't the problem. I used to think that the machine is the problem, but it's not the machine. It's the man sitting in the seat, the woman sitting in the seat. If you have a reprobate mind and it's your seat, it's still de facto. It's not about the instrument. It's about the man or the woman that wields the instrument. And that's the problem. So our founding fathers create this great system of righteous, old men, right? But if there's a man, if, it's, if, if all I have to do is defraud a whole bunch of written instruments to create a million dollars worth of wealth or carry the proper fraudulent papers to make myself look like I'm a duke, you know, in the olden days, I mean, there's books written about that. I mean, what is it, Tom Jones? Isn't he a fraud? Isn't he running around acting like he's of royalty and he's not, you know? If you have the right papers, you can pretend to be anything. That's called hypothecation. You know? So if if you have a world that the systems are dependent upon the man and the woman being righteous and moral in order for them to not have criminality within them, then don't you think that the argument ultimately is whether or not we are moral people? So the systems the system is, is not a machine and a monster in and of itself. It doesn't run itself. The man and the woman in it runs it. And that's the problem with state. They put the mask of state on. So they have the mask of state on. You know, that cop, you know, I watched a video tonight where a young black man was uh, in uh, is it South Carolina or North Carolina that's having the riots now. Or where, where is it they're having the riots? They Charlotte. just basically executed, Charlotte, they executed that young man. And, you know, um, that's a whole other issue because it's, it's, it's an intentional act. But there's a young black man who's got a shirt on it that says free hugs on it. And the cops, and he's between the rioters and the cops, right? This young black man, and he's an activist from, uh, he, he grew up in South LA, from what I understand. And he's trying to be peacefully, so let's do this peacefully. And there's that whole argument, too, whether it be peaceful or not. But I, I personally am a nonviolent person, and I'm going to exercise the law until I absolutely am forced to, to do anything other than that until my last breath, because that's the only proper way to do things. The law is there. Violence never solved anything, and violence serves them. So, but he's wearing this uh, shirt. You know, he's hugging these cops, and he's arguing that, uh, well, these guys are just guys. You know, they go home and take off their uniforms. You know, I know your skin. You're just black man, and but he, you know, he's when he takes that uniform off, he's just a man too. But the difference is, and this is the failure of his argument, although he has a very valid argument, but to a point, it only works to a point, is because all these black men and these black women and the disenfranchised and the poor and the impoverished, because it's not about black or white. I mean, the whites just disenfranchised as blacks versus Hispanics. They don't care. They don't, they're colorblind. They know better. They just want your soul. They don't care about the color, the outward appearance. But that cop can go home and he can take that uniform off. That black man can't take his skin off, you know. That woman can't change her gender. Most homosexuals these days don't hide it. They can't change their mask. That's the mask of selfdom. 
So these men in states, they put these masks on, these personas, these persons. And they put on this mask of the state of, of, of Missouri or the state of Iowa, a state of something, where you have a group of men. That when you say, I'm the state of something, it means you have a posse. I have a whole instrument behind me with guns and money and banks and all these really writs of marquee and all these fancy pieces of paper and a seal and all these things. And I'm established and you're not. You're just a man. So you go in with a mask of self done. Because I am, a, I am a king, a queen. I do have a seal. I have a signature. I have a flag. I have a moral compass. And if I'm the mask of selfdom, which is my right in prior persona, and I argue against the mask of state, and I say, hey, on all men's accord, you're failing in your fiduciary responsibilities, trustee, up there. I'm not crazy. This guy's bringing a false claim. I know where my assets lie. I have morality. And he's a fraud. He has no claim here. He's not even a, he's a foreigner. Why are you allowing a foreigner? Oh, wait, we're in a foreign court. My bad. So are you here to abrogate my bankruptcy or what? Because your claim is false. You know, it's arguments like that. There are systems of law, but you have to be able to see, you have to be able to see the game. It's not what you think it is. Because if you knew what it was, you might be able to go in there eventually and, and do what you should be able to do. You do something that's a violation of the use of fruct, you're supposed to pay a fine. You're supposed to pay a fine for things. Persons, they're supposed to get 24 enlightened people to hear their cause. And if they think there's cause, they're supposed to get 12 people that look specifically at just that case and talk to you and say, what are you doing, brother? Why did you feel the need to beat Bob? Are you having problems in your life? Are you insane? Do you have a health issue? Do you have a disability? You know, you're not supposed to judge them. You're supposed to facilitate their their restitution. And they're uh, to not just not just society, but to be a, a full person. You know, we're not supposed to use guns for violence. We're supposed to use common sense and help and love and kindness and build systems of re-education, not incarceration. That's, it's a totally different game. If people started demanding the different game, and instead of sending everybody to a leper colony, send them to a place where they get proper health care because they've uh, a prey victim to chronic health issues that make them become dependent on drugs for pain relief, or they've been raped and abused their whole life because the system didn't really protect them because it wasn't really about keeping criminality of society and they grow up and become disenfranchised, unproductive individuals who have to steal. I mean, we make these people, we make everybody. So we're not supposed to be running the way we run. And until people understand that we're not supposed to be running that way, we're not supposed to be this mindless, godless state that is just allowing these foreigners who are tithing us to bail run our estates while we run about being mindless and watching football all the time, which I don't have a problem with football. But I don't have time to watch football. I used to watch football all the time. But I'm so engaged in trying to fix my country and my world, I don't have time for that stuff because that is inconsequential when I know children are being trafficked in this very country, in this very county. How how do people sit and watch football for three hours when they know that there are children that are being stolen from their parents and trafficked all over the world for who God knows what? How do you sit and watch football for three hours? 
I can't keep my mind off that topic for three hours. I mean, could you? Can you? I don't watch football ever, so. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, how do you sit? You know, how do you sit? And so I can't. It keeps me sane to be proactive. So what I try to do is just. Yes, I'd love a question. Okay. I get tired of listening to myself talk. <laughs> well, no, we're all in, engaged in, in listening. You're 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 speaking truth, and we 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 get what you're saying. Here's a question from guest thirty four. Go ahead, guest thirty four. Well, hi Angela, how you doing? Hi, hi, I'm fine, thank you. Um, this is not really a question for her, but it's a comment to what she's been talking about. I just got on here like. Uh, 15 minutes ago, and I heard what she was talking about. Um, first thing I like to say is I love your show. I love the people that you have because you have a whole variety of things, you know, up okay. and down the the aisle, you know. And it's, it's all about it's a, learning. Yeah, it's a learning process, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, uh, you know, I imagine the majority of your group is 50 and over. I mean, you probably have some other young ones, right? You know, yeah, we have a lot of young ones. One time right. a kid called in was 12 years old. Oh. <laughs> but the point of, the That's point amazing. Of, yeah, yeah, his parents point. were helping him with the understanding right. of the law and so forth. But that's, go ahead. Promising. that's very that's very promising. Yeah, I can't yeah. hope. <laughs> some, some, of the, yeah, some of the points I want to get to is, I mean, some people may like what I'm saying, some not. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's, I like your show because, you know, the uh, the variety of things. You don't try to charge people, try to make money, even though you're having your own money issues like everybody. Everybody's got money issues, okay? Yeah. And the people the people that uh, on all these topics that you come, everybody's trying to, you know, have their little, little spots of these things and want to charge people for things. Now, I've never bought anything from anybody or anything, but what I'm saying is these these people, I just think they're like about the same as the lawyers and some of the other people. Mm-hmm. What they're like is they're like the peddlers that you used to see in old Western movies back in the 1900s. Come here, I mm-hmm. got this, bo- mm-hmm. this, this bottle right here. It'll mm-hmm. it'll cure your baldness. It'll cure cure your mm-hmm. your problem between well. your legs. It'll cure this all for Stay one cold, dollar. Though. For all for one dollar. The Indian saint. You know, yeah. pork tongues, you know. Right. And everybody well, should but, know but, it. But, 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 people. But they're killing people, a yarn. Some people, though, that come on our call, if they spend hours of their time creating paperwork, helping people out, and if you can't afford to give them some money, I think it's worth it because they're spending their time and effort. Yeah, you know, I understand. Instead of I, not, but not everybody. And I understand what yeah. you're saying. And I, yeah, but that's the thing that. The, well, here, uh, there's a point. Hold, hold, yeah. hold on. Let me let me let me finish what you said. What I'm I'm getting mm-hmm. to is not all all of their things that they've been researched is going to work. It's just like a lawyer. You're taking your your uh, um, your chances getting mm-hmm. a lawyer and going in front of a court or going to this mm-hmm. or that. None of them are giving them a hundred percent money back guarantee if their if their things don't work. Okay. Right. Ain't none of them telling you. Right. Oh, that, right. Okay. Yeah. Just, just for okay. The more money, the more likely it'll work. How about right, that? What, the more whatever. money you have, the more likely you'll get away with it. Yeah. Okay. Now let me get past that. Uh, that's not the only one to talk about. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the. Um, I'm going to use a metaphor here. Okay. Okay. It's like 
a big picnic, okay? You got a picnic going on, and you have the government and all their three-digit agencies and in the banks and everybody else are sitting at this picnic table, right? And they're all enjoying their picnic. They're going along, you know, having eaten their food and everything. And and the people here and the people that are having problems, we're like the flies, okay? Somebody that takes them to court. Every now and then they'll pick up their little thing and somebody's getting close to them or on their food, they're going to whack, whack them, okay? Knock them out, knock them out, get them out of the way. What we have to do, instead of being flies in this community and in all the communities, we have to be more like bees, okay? What happens if a, you see a swarm of bees come to a damn picnic table? You see, you Everybody runs I'm, away usually. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Okay, so what I'm getting to, the point I'm really getting to is we have to put down, everybody has to put down our petty differences. I don't care if it's the people... Like I said, you got mortgage issues. If you got uh, bank issues, if you got court issues, this and that. We all we're, we all need to come together. We know we're getting screwed here. That's what I'm saying. We have to teach. Mm-hmm. We have to go out here and get these younger kids because we're 50 years old. By the time anything changes, we're going to be gone or <laughs> no up there. That's why I said we have to get these youth. We have, probably yeah, change we, in the next year. It has to. There's too many there's, claims. Yeah, there's too many claims. Yeah, there's, there's stuff coming on. I mean, we have to do these changes like what happened during the 60s with the with the uh, mm-hmm. women's movement or the uh, racial movement, right. you know, all these different movements back then. That's why I said we have to get, like, if it's Black Lives Matter now or if it's the ones that protest uh, the big banks, you know, the uh, IMF stuff. All these people, we have to get mm-hmm. together and tell them what is really going on, how they're controlling us, how they're doing this, and get the word out. You know, that's that's my biggest thing is we have to, right? you know, because like right now, that's all they're doing right now is like sitting at that picnic table and they've got the little swipe swatter. One fly comes over here if it if it ain't, um, uh, what's his name, up in Oregon, or if it's some of the people you know that they've thrown in jail, they just they just swat us, you know, like that. That's why I said we have to come and organize the B&Bs, you know, and and, and uh, come at it. And there's a lot of things. Even Hollywood's starting to uh, uh, get into a lot of these topics. I don't know if you saw Money Matters, and there's a couple other movies. That yeah, they have, to, they have to re-educate you. That's, yeah, they have to re-educate I mean, the, the, the media machine, look, everybody's not on the same level of enlightenment. I mean, everybody's on their path in their own place. Right, in the news, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the to... movies are supposed to educate you. Like a friend of mine says, everything's in the movies. I mean, one of my favorite set of movies is The Pirates of the Caribbean. Because he sit, they sit and have all these scenes that people really don't understand that they're showing you the law. I mean, so when he goes, R, I mean, you know, pirates say R, A-R-R. I mean, people never really think about what R, you know. I mean, and, and in the movie, he's like, may I parlay? May I? And, they're, and they're, having a, they're having a fight on a sandbar over, this, over the, the, the chest of gold. And the sandbar is a neutral land in the middle of nowhere, you know, that captains would go and and meet in the middle of the ocean on these sandbars because it's unclaimed land and they could affect private contract between each other with no boundaries. So the movies are there to educate you. And, and I'm telling you, once you step out of the paradox and you start really looking at the world from not, I'm not, not, not in a judgmental moral perspective, but just looking at it going, man, that just doesn't feel right. I'm not going to be party to that. 
and looking at that and saying, I don't like that, you know, because moral capitalism is one of the big arguments in the, you know, at the turn of the, in the, in the 1900s, people, you know, there's a famous, uh, a famous philosopher, Ayn Rand, who speaks about moral capitalism. She's vilified by the, by the fake communists because she talks about the, the virtues of selfishness and the concept of knowing self and that you own your intellectual property. One of her books is called The Fountainhead, which has became a very famous movie. I think Cary Grant or somebody, yeah, I think Cary Grant's in it. And it's about, you know, the, the, um, the archetype is a man who's a, who's a, who's a, a, a architect and he's asked to build a public works building by this very rich man. And he does, and he's very proud of it. And so he makes this beautiful building that's supposed to be for public works and poor people are supposed to live in it. And the rich guy's like, Oh, it's so nice. I'm not going to let the poor live in it. And he goes, no, 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 no. I built that for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I've changed my mind and I paid for the building. The guy goes, dude, he didn't pay for my craftsmanship for something for other than what we did. And he goes, and he blows the building up. And then it's about the trial of this man to have the right to destroy the building because he didn't make it for the rich. He made it for the disenfranchised to have something beautiful that was a work of art to live in. And so it's about the virtues of the intellectual property. And they hate that. They hate her for that. She's a, you know, and her family uh, is related to the Tsar of Russia during the Bolshevik Revolution. And she had everything stolen from her as a child and her half her family murdered in front of her. And she comes over here and loves capitalism because capitalism, if moral, is divine commerce. I mean, it's, you know, so, you know, you spoke to people paying. Uh, that's a very rooted philosophical. There's two sides. And, and Aristotle is a very key person when it comes to the distinction of statutes versus natural law. He writes a whole nomenclature about it. And he speaks to that about and Aristotle was around the time of Sophism. And Sophism is different than a philosopher. A philosopher argues what is man and argues and goes and says, fellows, this is wrong for you to do these things. A sophist comes in and says, hey, dude, I know how to get you out of that if you just pay me. So they take their knowledge of philosophy and the law and they torn it. They twist it. Okay, for the purposes of exercising and garnering income. So a sophist pays, gets paid to use his knowledge, even to twist it, to make something what should be unlawful, lawful, or appear lawful. So the concept of sophism is where I believe that uh, the roots of probably the attorneys are. But the original sophist wanted to go in and go, well, what if I don't agree with your maxims? What if I don't agree that this is this and that is that? I have the right to disagree, and we should be able to have a conversation about particulars. And so Aristotle discusses particular laws. He considers statutes to be law of the particulars. And he considers natural law to be the law that is maxims and actions that are applied across the board for all circumstances and all cases for all men and all women. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, the beginning of that document tells you by the maxims of Aristotle and the philosophers of that time that what they are about to say is natural law. 
the statutes that men go and hypothecate in these systems of state and Congress are particulars. Now, in the construct of law, the particulars are to be held in reasoned and logical argument to see whether they comply with the natural law. That's what the common law grand juries are supposed to be doing, but they aren't there. So instead, these guys and women making these particular laws are just allowed to just make them. And absence of any other God, since it's a godless state, they think that they can just do what they want. So the reasons why there's no common law grand juries it's because there's not enough people that are demanding their institutions to be restored because of a lack of guidance of greater, higher societal law. And guess what? When you go into those communities, Bob, who's a Christian fundamentalist, doesn't get to run roughshod over Muslim Bob. You know, you have to come together as a community and agree in unanimity. What is the higher law that applies to this circumstance from his religious background and his lack of religious background and her belief system and what that person's commerce is? You're supposed to be arguing these higher laws against these particulars and say, in this particular circumstance, this particular man, does it follow the law? Because, see, if you can apply a particular to these maxims, then it becomes a maxim. But we're not having those discussions. It's all about philosophies of people coming together and saying, what makes a good life and community for everybody? These are what the common law grand juries are. And these are institutions that on their onset could just be people coming together in roundtables of rural societies because there's a construct in law, Benjamin Franklin used it, they're called juntas, okay? Now, we think of juntas as a military junta, overthrow by force. But Benjamin Franklin's concept of a junta was he would ask 20 of his best friends to a pub, and they would sit and drink and talk about uh, philosophical constructs, and they would come up with ideologies that would make society better. From his juntas came uh, publicly funded fire departments, uh, publicly funded road building, lit roadways. These are all from ideologies where a bunch of men got together, got drunk in a pub, and then set aside a task to write a thesis upon how these trunk, 12 drunk men, or however many he had, decided that we should have public streets, and they would put this out into the public and ask them, do you not agree? And they would create these paradigms. They would envision a better world, and they would go and give this to the public, the man that's worried about paying his bills and eating, but he would read this and go, you know, my life would be a lot better if that street was paved. It really would. And if I could walk at night, I could make more money. I could, I could deliver coal later, you know? And it's about how the man drives what is right. The woman in, in their needs to create a better family, a more secure state of self, that's what law is supposed to come for. But people have to be engaged like that. And so, you know, when, I, when people ask, well, how do I fix my status? Um, become 
an enlightened moral man because they're going to do what they're going to do. These people, you know, a reprobate mind will come up to you and stick a gun in your face and shoot your face off and not even think twice. They're not stable. They're not stable spirits, you know. They're they're yeah. they're rep, they they reprobate means lacking reason. It means someone who is not of the right mind, not a mind of God, meaning a mind that is not in the natural law, that doesn't understand that we're all here together, that we all own this reality, that we all manifest it collectively. We manifest our reality, and all we have to do is literally say to the creation, give us a moral, righteous life. And guess what? It's going to get you there. You may not like the past. Because when you ask that, when you put those prayers out there, you're not saying, give me a righteous life and I don't ever have to have bad things happen to me and this and that. Because there's no good or bad, there's balance. So God will tell you, hey, you're going to get beat up a couple times. They're going to put you in prison for a year, da-da-da-da-da. See, I don't sit and think bad things happen to me. Everything that happened to me, good and bad, in my life, I can tell you, as my grandmother said, all things uh, are there for balance, you know? Right. It, they are there. I mean, even even if you speak in a biblical sense, even Lucifer is bound by the will of God. So even the baddest thing that you ever put forth, the kingdom of hell, the guy who runs hell, still is under the laws of God. Still. And I know I can prove that. I got I got a letter from the Pope refused for three months in a row. So it's refused, refused. Now I felt like I, I felt like I felt like Santa Claus had returned my wish list. Because all you have to do to send a letter to the Pope is put the Pope on it. Literally, if you put if you put a letter, put your return out and just put the Pope on it. I guarantee you, it will get there. So I sent it to the man, the real man's name, in the Holy Roman See, and guess where it went to Vienna. Because that's where the Jesuits are. Because the men sit in Vienna. Okay? Because the sea and the man are two different things. So what you're talking about, you're talking about people who want to sell their wisdom. That's a sin. That's a sin. The wisdom and the nominom that God gave you is not supposed to be used as a means of income or to extort the infant, the insane, and the infirm. The law is a shield. This is the only purpose of law, in truth. It's the only place I've ever heard it says in the law of equity. And it says that law, the purpose of law is to be a shield to the infant, the insane. Actually, it says infant and insane. I add the infirm because to me, I, you know, I have family members that are physically very ill. And you might as well make them in, infant because they can't take care of themselves. They're so ill. So I put infirms in there. But law is supposed to be a shield. It means that they're not they're, things aren't even supposed to touch those three groups. The law is supposed to prevent them even getting touched, not come into the house and then we fix it. It's not supposed to touch them. It's a shield. So you want to tell me why we have a society and a system of state that is extorting those three groups the most? Because we allowed it. Right. Because we allowed it. That's because not, we're we, not using our reasoned logic minds. I'm not talking about going and overthrowing your government. That is totally inappropriate unless right. you have exercised every possible scenario in the law. Then yeah, you're the reprobate. We, we you know, then a, you're the reprobate. I mean, the way this, 
this was we this have three was, people in oh. line waiting, so let's wrap this one okay. up. Okay. The only thing I okay. want to say, you know. So yeah, I would, I would say, I would say, look in the sophist, because what you're talking about is sophism, and I think if you read up on sophism in the constructs of the philosophy of law, you know exactly that you've hit the head on the nose. They're wrong for for charging for their knowledge of truth. It's not right. That is wrong. It's wrong to do that. Yeah. The main thing I want to get to you is, you know, just is to try to teach the younger to get the word out. The you know. It's like you know, oh, they know. Believe me, yeah. Everybody in prison, and there are so many young people in prison, and they get it. They know that yeah. they're a commodity of, of, of commerce. They know it. it like, they do. They really do. So I mean, it was like this they guy. They do know it. They, there's you know, quite a Yeah. A couple of years ago, that one guy started that whole uh, uh, movement about the Joseph Coney guy down there in, in Africa that was killing all the. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People in Congo yeah. and everything around there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody like that. Just one person started a whole dang movement to, to you know, I mean, it went all the way to the White House to get, you know, and it, even though he went crazy, you know, trying to, <laughs> you know, what happened to him after, you know, but uh, it's just, you know, we got to get out there. We got to, you know. Uh, you got to get out. Yeah, I think what you have to get out there is you have to get out there and you have to you you have to look at the three laws and you have to say, in my life, these are the only things that I get to complain about. Things that violate the public plus, public trust, the public peace, and whether people are being hurt. Can yeah, that so contract be held to the law? Those, yeah, are, the three so those are the things. That, um, yeah. People think that their biggest problems is worrying about uh, if they want to uh, go to Starbucks and get a latte or uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. instead of looking yeah. at the real well, problems. That's a, that's a particular you know. life. Hey, when you're ruled by particulars, all you do is run around doing particular things. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That's all you do. All right, People need to remove okay. themselves from the future. Thank, Thank you. Okay, Angela. Thank you, man. Yeah. All right, bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, next up is uh, TalkShoe 901. Yes. You've been unmuted. Hello. Oh, yes. Yes, good evening. Ms. Hello. Star. Can you hear me, Ms. Star? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, last week a lady called in about a video she had regarding a foreclosure, her locks being changed. Is this the same lady? Um, no. 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 Okay. I'm no. trying to get I'm trying to get that video. Do you have that video, Miss? Do you know what No, I don't. It must be on um YouTube though. Um Lotus, have you ever dealt with a foreclosure? Uh, no, I do have some friends that have dealt with it extensively that uh, do operate in the northern part of Ohio. And really the biggest issue is this, and this is, you know, speaks to in my videos, that people are perfecting. I mean, there are a lot of people that are bringing really good law, but th- there is no settlement. And until until the trust is called, which it kind of has been called, these people, their whole job is to is, they're doing their job to maintain the systems of state. If the, if things aren't done appropriately, all government falls apart, and we don't want that. And so there, you know, there are people perfecting uh, law, and there are people with perfected defaults. But if your banking structure is fraudulent, where do you go to to to, to correct and get the offsets and adjustments done properly? See, that's the problem. The ultimate banker is the worst guy of all. You know, there there's an infighting going on. So. There are a lot of people, we're starting to get judges, administrators, because I'll tell you, there is a difference between a judge and administrator. If you're an honorable man in a Pharisee's robe, I don't care if you're a foreign agent or not, but you do your job and you follow the law, not statute, just with the law too, I'm going to call you a judge. 
but I'm not going to call you judge until I know you do that. So there are judges that are starting to do that. And we just got the hearing, uh, the uh, ruling in Colorado, for example, where the district, the territorial district, because those are territorial courts, those are not true district courts in the United States. Those are territorial courts from the District of Columbia in their municipal powers affecting bankruptcies. There's actually a territorial district court that oversaw the Colorado region that said that the federal government had no jurisdiction in the land. And they don't. They don't. And that's a district ruling. And that district ruling, according to the Constitution, means that in all the territories, it has been affirmed that the federal overseeing United States corporate state does not have authority in the state to affect the things like BLM and all that other stuff. So that's a ruling that came out within the last week. The people in the institutions of state, again, this is very important because it's about the morality of people. If you are an individual and you suddenly find out, because my mom freaked out when she realized that when she signed up to be a federal employee that she gave away her citizenship. She didn't even know that. They didn't tell her that. And she, and she even has contracts. It's in the deep bowels of the statutes. And she was mad because they didn't tell her that. Okay, so, but you know what? She was one of the most moral people I know. Many a time she'd come home over the 30 years and, and talk about how she was asked to do unconstitutional, unlawful things. And every time she said, hell no, you can do it. I'm not going to. There, it's, you know, doing that. So in the foreclosure thing, it's about, it's about getting them to, to, do, to follow the law because we have really good foreclosures. And there's starting to be some movement in the foreclosures as well because there are so many claims that have been perfected properly in the law. They're going to have to start following it. And they need to do their job too as administrators. They need to start affecting the law properly through administrative process. So they, there's a group, uh, there's a group, gosh, you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, I will try to get some names and some people to you that your listeners can uh, work through uh, to help them with foreclosures if they don't have any. But I know that there are several cases in Ohio that have come through recently. Okay. That And that's really what needs to be done is it would be great if we could get some type of national database. I know there's people all over the place, but just some place where these cases are brought up. And the Internet's hopefully going to be that for us. But I will get some names and numbers to you uh, for the foreclosure divisions, the foreclosure claims, but there's a lot of good ones coming through. Like I said, there's a lot of really just common people doing really good works in law. And we already and have a lot of stuff on our website if you look on we the, the foreclosure yeah. Yeah. Uh, tab. Yeah. And um, TalkShoe 901, you know what I'm thinking? If you go back, if you can get a tra- the transcript of the chat, Maybe someone left a link in there when it was mentioned about that video you're talking about. Well, Are you familiar said, with our chat? No, I, I don't do that, but she says she's going to send you the video of it. <laughs> well, no and one I, has yet. Yeah. Now, that doesn't okay. always happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Well, I know. Here's another thing. Keep, keep, be, be diligent. Keep, keep looking. Uh, be diligent. And, uh, because there's a lot out there. Uh, there's a, there's actually also uh, there's a lot of Skype groups that are popping up that are group chats yeah. uh, that have some unique names and some will be like just CPS. And there's some people. Some of them have hundreds of people on them. Oh yeah. And uh, I mean, they're, and they and they really are just they're they're crowd sharing, they're crowdfunding, and uh, and that and that's an important thing too. But 
I mean, for people to understand what's happening with instruments, you know, and this is just a real quick uh, education on instruments. Again, we own nothing. Neither does the state. It hypothecates that it owns it, okay? And meaning that it, 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 it's operating as though it does own everything, that the state of things owns the world. And you're just a tenant, okay? And the house that you're in really is owned by everybody in the world. And there's a concept of a use of fruct. And so this will help you in your foreclosures because you have, if you understand that your house, you are, you are leasing the house. The house is supposed to be made well enough by righteous good men of great craft that it lasts two, three hundred thousand years, like the castles, okay? So you, how many families have lived in the castles of, the, of Europe or some of the houses here that are a couple hundred years old? Multiple families. Oh, yeah. It's a transient ownership, you know. So the house itself is a usufruct. And what they're doing is, is they're trying to claim the usufruct. Now, it's not so much a problem they're trying to claim the usufruct because you're just a tenant. If you look at your mortgage deed, you're a tenant. And the house was paid for before you signed the mortgage, okay? It was. That's what the warranty deed's for. You, you own the house when you got the warranty deed because – you're not supposed to have to pay for use of fruct use. You just use it. It's kind of like if I have a wheelbarrow and you need to borrow it, it's not really my wheelbarrow. God owned everything that it's made of, the metal, the steel. Humans molded it, and there's a tide for that, right? But you borrow it. You borrow my wheelbarrow. You're supposed to bring it back in the same condition you borrowed it, okay? If you bring it back in a worse condition, you owe the use of fruct. You, you have to pay for its fixing. You're supposed to bring it back better than that gave it to you. You're supposed to bring it back polished with a new tire on it because it was beat up or whatever, sand the handles. That's the concept of a use of fruct. And houses and cars are the same concept. So the houses that they're stealing, what you have to address is, is whether the intent of the foreclosure is, to, is in damaging the use of fruct, a tenement right, okay? And they're really pushing these in the municipalities of, of, um, New, of New York City and large cities and stuff like that, where there are people that I know that are actually getting entire buildings put into receivership, okay, by landlords who are damaging the use truck, the common use, because that building doesn't belong to him. It's a titled instrument of the state of all men. Okay, and they are going and they're withholding their rent because the landlord's not doing the proper thing. Just like you're not responsible for the state taxes. That's not your taxation. You agreed to pay it, but you're not the one that's responsible for your tenant. Okay, you have to understand that you're a tenant in that house and you're a transient controller. You're not an owner. And that if people are trying to take it from you, why? You're not damaging it, right? So it's things like that that people need to change their mindset, and then they'll find these – they'll be able to look at the laws and the administrative process and see where the cracks are, that what they're doing is stealing is improper, you know, fiduciary responsibilities, unlawful conveyance through, through, through fraudulent civil forfeitures of instruments they don't own. They don't own those. Show, the, show that they own the instrument. They're, they're just an abrogator of a debt. Well, in surety law, when you buy a debt – as a surety, you're not the law doesn't mandate that you can collect on it. It's a risk. Okay? So if it's a risk on a suretized instrument, and that's what you bought is a risk, which is what a what which is what a mortgage company is. It's buying a risk on a title that's already insured, right? So if you have a risk on a title that's already insured, why are they coming after you? 
it's things like that. If people need to just, they just need to kind of look at the way things are and accept that you are supposed to be a transient spiritual being who sees everything that you have before you as a gift from God that you're supposed to do righteous and right by. When you will, I assure you, if you start looking like that, you will see who's not of the right mind, and you will be able to see how their actions are actually damaging all men and women in what they're doing, that they're, that they're operating for their own best interest, for the lucra, personal lucra. Yeah, That's a crime. Lucra. Yeah, yes, um, exactly. Talk to 901. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, we have That's to move okay. on. We have three more people waiting. Um, talk to 901. Did you? Is there any way you can get to the internet and look and see? Go onto the Talk to Call website. Well, actually, you can just go to my website. There's a link to the transcripts right there. Yeah, and that's wonderful that you that you do the chats. That those are really good. That's good that you do that. Well, it's TalkShoe. They provide it. They right. And, they, and there's right. a transcript of whatever's typed in there during the call. So that's it, awesome. Yeah, it is. Sometimes I leave little markers uh, when someone mentions something like a case or or a video, and I'll I'll mark the spot so I can go back and find it well and you know that's all that's all public record too i mean that's that's public record public resource that's really wonderful that they offer that service and the call is recorded also it's there so it'll always be there well every i assume i assume my calls are recorded regard i'm sure i'm going to tell you this call's being recorded by a variety of people right now i'm sure it is (laughs) (laughs) the more the merrier right that's exactly right. Hopefully they'll be educated and they'll use what we discuss and and go back to their drawing board and try to work from the other side. Don't you know? take our word for it. Look it up. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Go look it up. Here's go to a real book. Go get a real book. Next up is West Oklahoma. Go ahead, West Oklahoma. Oh. You've been unmuted. Our Lotus, Hello? Uh, when Hello? you first when you first joined the call, you mentioned uh, being pulled over with no plates or uh, expired license. Yeah. Uh, um, when, the, mm-hmm. when the, if you can remember, if you can remember when the officer uh, questioned you, did he ask for identification or a driver's license? Oh, I, I he uh, he asked for a driver's license, and I said that I I have I have no contract with the state. <laughs> did, and, you, uh, did you present I'm, Did you present the ID, the picture ID, driver's license? Oh no! Oh no! I gave him. My, I said. Uh, I said I'm going to give you the one thing you need to settle the claim. And I gave him my social security number. Did you? I mean, did and, you uh, offer like you went, got a passport or anything? No, I didn't offer nothing. I don't. I don't did need he, nothing. What happened? What I'm I trying to ask that. though is, did he? Did he just want to know who you were? Is what I'm saying. They knew who I was. I'm thinking at the time. Um, he came back after he went. He pretended to go back, and he came back and he says. You're one of them sovereigns, aren't you? And I never forget sovereignty at all. No, I, I gave him a social security number. That's all you need to give him. That's your social trust access. That's your window. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a what did he do with the social security number? He went, he went back to the car and he ran it. And it came back uh, classified, blah, 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 whatever, you know, uh, whatever my police credit rating is. And he came back and he said, you're one of them sovereigns, aren't you? And I said... Well, I don't particularly know what you mean. Because, you know, anytime someone tries to categorize you, you should say, well, define that term. And then we might have a conversation. Because uh, otherwise, you're, in, you're, you're engaged in a very dangerous act of supposition, you know, if you don't know what they're identifying you as. And uh, 
And he, uh, you know, proceeded to say, well, can you step out of the car? I said, well, why would I step out of the car? He said, would you step out of the car for me? I said, well, why would I step out of the car? He said, well, I'm going to put you under arrest. So what would you put me under arrest for? Because, you know, every, I said, I said, is it typical for you to arrest people for, for driving with an expired, uh, an unrenewed driver's license and tags are only expired for, because I know the law. You don't ever do these things without knowing their statutes. And nothing that I was doing was of an arrestable offense. And uh, they proceeded to arrest me, seize my van, which had about $20,000 of tools in it, and beat me up, put me in prison, in jail. And by the way, I had over 45 parking tickets, which I never paid because I said, I don't owe you. Show me how I owe you the debt and how you own this thing. And so I got my, my van out of Hawk for 350 bucks and never had to pay them 45 parking tickets. Okay. So they know who I am because I'm not stupid, and I've been doing this for a long time. And I've always come to them in comedy and amity, and after they put me in jail, I actually, there's actually police. There's actually CIA and FBI agents uh, embedded with the local police department. There's actually uh, agents of the Department of Justice and the Department of Defense are embedded with local municipalities because municipality is where the forced contract comes. If you watch my municipal uh, powers. Uh, video. It talks about how the municipal contract is the place where forced citizenship is. And you forget that District of Columbia is a municipality. And so it's exercising all of the territories through its municipal powers. Okay. So uh, the municipal powers, when, when they do that, uh, they're supposed to be, um, it's a forced citizenship, like I said, but that's an unconstitutional construct. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry? Whose name is on your? Whose name is on that driver's license that expired? Uh, uh, that would be my my incarnate name, which is actually with a deed poll. So I mean, it's you signed, it's, you, it's you signed it, right? Uh, at the time, I signed it. No, I signed it. Actually, you could sign it Scooby Doo, and because uh, the well, signature, the signature. What I'm asking is, did they, did they come to you with a contract and a gun, or did you go to them and sign it voluntarily? Oh no, I put ARR because I have no problem. That that actually your you, driver's you, license. You've all, it's you've not a driver's license. What it is? I just want no, I'm you know, sorry. a driver's I license. The a driver's license isn't a well. A driver's license isn't a license to drive. A driver's license Ma'am. Ma'am. is an identifier. I yes. just wanted to clear if you volunteered to do it or not. I just you said you were forced into it. Uh, and I, I just want to know I who did it. Volunteer to force into force into what? I don't understand what. I, getting a you driver's voluntarily, license. voluntarily. Yeah, I yield back my time to what the. I, what, uh, I, no, what, what I'm saying is, a driver's when you when you sign a driver's license, what you're doing is 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 that you're saying you're the surety for that instrument. Okay, it's no different than if uh, I take a credit card that says TTEE, which means I'm the trustee of that account. Okay, now there are actually credit cards that have your ID on. Okay, are you that account? Okay, no, you're not. You are identifying, and this is part of the conversation I had with this municipal, uh, or this county, she's county, she's municipal too, uh, administrator, is that what they're doing is, it's the perception of the person holding the instrument. You say, you stand up in court and you say, 
can John Doe, is John Doe here? And you stand up. Are you John Doe? Yeah, I'm John Doe. And they sent you the notice in all capitals, okay? It's the proclamation itself. So you stand up and go, yeah, I'm John Doe. I got, I, I got this notice. You just identified yourself as the Sustacay thing, the action in REM. You just identified yourself as a thing, okay? If you stand up and go, no, I'm here as the executor for this instrument, because that, that'll screw him, because, see, that prosecutor, he's trying to come with parole evidence and make himself the executor. These are snafus in equity. If you understand equity law, you understand the argument, the ruse that's being put upon you. He comes forward as the executor to sign tort and gets you to declare yourself insane and therefore proving his claim, and he gets to be the executor and the trustee assigns it to him. That's how it is every time. If I come, if I know you, I can come to you and say, hey, I want to abrogate this crazy person's debt. He's my neighbor, and he told me that if he ever went insane, I'm supposed to take care of his business. That's called parole evidence. Secrecy, hearsay, conversations held in confidences are parole evidence. Look it up. And parole evidence and equity law can be used to change an executor to sign tort to, a, to an executor or a claimant to a trustee, okay? And so what they do is they bring these people in, and they bring you in, and they say, uh, bring in John Doe. And they go, John Doe? Are you John Doe? Yeah, that's me. You're in chains. When you identify yourself as a thing, it becomes an action in rim, Okay. An action of things. It went from the law side to the admiralty and maritime equity side. So equity is the line between the two. When you sign the instruments of state, if you sign them in the appropriate fashion and can defend those instruments from the manner in which you signed them, it doesn't matter what the state says. So if I go in there and I say, hey, I have this driver's, what you kind of for is a license to drive, but I don't drive. It doesn't matter what they label it as. If you say, I'm here to abrogate the debts of this instrument. If, if let's say you were to put Scooby-Doo ARR, okay? Let's say your name's John Doe, but you sign it Scooby-Doo ARR because, see, that's part of the issue. The fact that your signature matches the name kind of is how they enjoin you to it because they've created a fraudulent instrument in your likeness. They've created a, a personal trust with the same name by stealing your service mark and trademark, and then they're going to abrogate your debts. They get you to identify yourself as the thing by the actions that you do, by acts of consent and assent. You walk in a court, they say, sir, take your hat off, and you take your hat off. You just gave them personal jurisdiction. That's called assent. They say, hey, you can only plead not guilty and guilty. And you say, okay, well, I'm just going to I'm going to uh, ignore demure and innocent and all these other pleadings. And I only accept the law they give me. When you walk into a forum of any kind, it doesn't matter. You walk into your boss's office and he says, these are the laws of this company. And you go, well, I'm really sorry, sir. Guess what? You gave him the personal jurisdiction to fire you. When you walk into a forum and you consent and assent to the manner in which they represent you as a thing, that's when you give them jurisdiction. The instrument does not give them jurisdiction. Your lack of knowledge gives them jurisdiction. Your reprobate mind gives them jurisdiction. 
because I assure you, they have never acquired personal jurisdiction over me. They never will acquire personal jurisdiction over me. I don't care what I sign, because when I sign it, I understand my exercise of the instrument. The instrument does not define the law. The one who wields it does. So what you put on all these pieces of paper mean nothing in reality if you don't have the knowledge to back them up, okay? If you don't have the knowledge to back them up, yeah. then that's going to be, okay? okay? So it doesn't matter what you sign. We're going to move on if that's okay. Yeah. Let's see Fine here. This is Rick, Southern Illinois. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. I love Southern Angel. Illinois, by the way. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, this Good is evening, Rick. sir. I called, called you last week. This is, uh, how do you pronounce your name, your guest? Uh, Lotus? Lotus Justice, yes, sir. No. Okay. Wow. Uh, you speak really powerful words there. I'm like, this is great. I like this show. Um, I'm calling about the driver's license. Uh, it's funny that you yes. were talking about driver's license. I've got 12 days left until mm-hmm. uh, I have to renew mine. I got a letter in the mail back in July. It says, uh, you know, you're a safe driver or awards, and we're going to give you these privileges. You don't have to go in. You can just send this in for being such a good driver, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, mm-hmm. I told my family when I got that, the paper, that uh, I'm not going to renew my driver's license. I'm going to drive without driver's license. The family is like, oh, my gosh, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, I don't know the full extent of what... Uh, I've heard that they're going to put a chip in the driver's license, and therefore, if I think it's starting uh, beginning of January of 2017, if you don't have this chip in your driver's license, you're unable to uh, access any uh, unemployment office. You won't be able to get your Social Security or disabilities, and I don't know right. if, if there's a way around that without getting your driver's license, if it's true about this chip or whatever that you have to have. Well, it's it's not so much and again, okay. It's it's a it's a it's a duplicity to say I don't want to be part of the state but I want all the benefits thereof. Okay. And that's when you have to argue that you're owed the benefits as the creditor and the beneficiary in this act and you're not obligated to abrogate any rights to get those. Okay. See, that's, that's what people don't understand. You have a system of administrators who are supposed to be ensuring that the use of fruct is being managed properly and that the proper taxation, impost, expost, and, uh, and excise, excise, impost, and export are being paid, the tie to the land. And they're not operating like that. They're, they're saying, hey, we'll give you your benefits if you make us your god. That's not part of the deal, okay? So what you can do is you can still exercise and reserve your rights uh, like you would under UCC and sign it with ARR. You could do a variety of things. I'm going to tell you this. I have no children, okay? And I have an incredibly proactive, politically supportive family. And I'm going to tell you that if I had children, I would not be doing what I'm doing because it's not right for me to would not be right for me to put them under the scrutiny of a totalitarian fascist state. 
So I would say that whatever you buy off, you need to understand. If you're not going to have a driver's license, you need to go look up what the fines and penalties are for not having one in case you get stopped. You need to find out, because you don't have to have a driver's license to get car insurance, by the way. You do right, not have to. I heard to. that from Carl's one of his shows. Yeah, you just get out to well, I, such, yeah, you, such You do not something. have to. In fact, if you, what you have to do is instead of doing you call, you would you would call the actual abrogation unit and say, I need to have a conversation. They will discuss every contract language with you that you're signing. And you will ask them, do I have to have a driver's license for car insurance? No, you do not. It, the only reason, now, if you're, and again, if you operate in commerce, in your carriage, then you have to have a driver's license. If you are an over-the-road trucker, you have to have a driver's license. Okay, You have to be licensed to uh, affect commerce on their highways. Okay? I don't have a problem with that. But you are not in commerce. You are not supposed to be obligated under independent contract with a state that uh, is not a lawful deserve state. It's an abrogation of debt. You're dealing with a bankruptcy state. And here's the here's the paradox, okay? When you go, and this is especially because uh, the one person brought it up about people getting paid and asking for money. Look, I have to pay personally for every cause that I do. I have to come up with all the fines, fees, penalties, copies, everything. Because if you declare indigency or bankruptcy, you're automatically in their jurisdiction, okay? Because they're a bankruptcy court. So the minute you claim bankruptcy or that you're indigent, as a, and, and guess what? When you're in prison, you got nothing. The minute you declare those things and say, well, I'd like you to provide the transcript as an indigent, boom, you just lost your case because you declared yourself a bankrupt. And if you declare yourself a bankrupt, you're in their jurisdiction because they're a bankruptcy jurisdiction. People don't understand the trappings of the jurisdiction. There's only three. There's three jurisdictions they have to acquire, venue, subject matter, and personal. They always have venue because they're a corporation operating in the seat of government. They have franchised corporation with a name and the likeness of the state that, that implies the same functions as the state. They have venue because they're the only game in town. They're a monopoly. They have subject matter because they are statutory courts, and we are under statutory de facto constitution after the, the tone of 13th in the abrogation of the Civil War and the War of 1812. You are under Roman civil jurisdiction. They are a Roman civil abrogation of, of bankruptcy under the Pope. So they have subject matter because the action at question is a contract dispute unless you remove yourself from that and say no this is not a contract dispute between a state and a peon i'm the beneficiary and the creditor this yes. is a conversation as to whether you as a trustee or an executor have executized my estates and shadows so That's before when I'm the doing. young man was talking about being the flies at the picnic no we own the picnic that's <laughs> our picnic they're the flies yeah they're the flies well, I, yeah, okay. speaking of flying, so I, I would have loved to have been a fly right, on the back you, of that patrol car window so when if he you're did not do your that, beer. Right. <laughs> if you're going to do that, you have to understand that you are engaging your entire lineage and your family. You seem to be I very understand. conscientious of that. Okay. Well, you need to ask them. You need yeah, to make them understand. Because I'm going to tell you, if I had kids, I would not do what I do. I would not, it would be reckless and irresponsible. And I'm going to tell you that as a, I'm just being real because right. they will kill you if they don't like you in the wrong place. They will walk up and shoot you in the face. All they right. have done it. They're, well, they're a reprobate day, yeah. men. 
I'm not saying they're all exactly. And I'm, and this this is not as this. What you have here is a bunch of people who think that the mask of state allows them to be just demonic, immoral, lawless people. And thus far, because the law is not there, because the people are not exercising true moral form, it's not about whether uh, this politician did this or that. It's about, have you called every administrative authority you know to complain about the immorality of this person? Have you written letters? Have you become politically, I'm not talking about voting, going and voting and pulling a poll, because that's not really a, that's not really election. That's a poll. It's not real ballots. You're not really electing anything. They're asking the peons who they would like to win. And if they disagree with you, you're screwed. So it doesn't matter. You're not voting, but you do have administrative process and political activism. And the demand as a moral person. So you have to understand, you have to say, you have to, if you're going to do that, you have to say why. What is your moral reason for doing that? Because when you go to court and you have to go to court to defend your actions, you have to say, I'm morally opposed to you doing this, 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 and this. And I feel that if I'm made to pay this, that I am, that I am, um, that I am uh, tithing in a moral state. Okay, you have to have a moral foundation because the only capacity to challenge their behavior, even in equity, is to demure, which is a moral, it's a moral pleading. I am offended in my scruples by your presumption that you are my God. That's a demure. Who are you to bring me to you and say I'm the criminal? Mm-hmm. So yeah. whatever you, whatever your actions are going to be, you need to have, I, uh, this is an act of civil disobedience, sir. Dear kind administrator, I did not renew my license because as an act of civil disobedience, I am in disagreement with the way this municipal power is being managed. Boom. Well, Let's claim an equity. That's okay? how I am with my driver's you know, license. I mean, I understand it. Well, and, that, and you have that right. Right. But I'm thinking about my mom or my like she's on uh, Social Security and all the people that's paid in for Social Security all these years. Right. And uh, if they're coming up. Well, and why do you think? Right. Right. And that's the Faustian pact. Why do you think that I go out of my way? Because I'm one of those people that doesn't have those uh, those shackles, those bonds that they've got me in, that I'm going to go without eating or without medical care. My mother's disabled, and she's a retired federal employee. Do you think that, that I, I fight for her right to access all that stuff? She shouldn't have to be engaged and give up her citizenship for those, for those things. It's Faustian. It's a Faustian pact. You make me your God, I'll give you these benefits. But they're giving you benefits that you are the beneficiary and creditor of. They're abrogating right. your estate. They're That's they're they're siphoning back what is yours. What is yours? They're siphoning back to you. While they live high on the hog and have all this stuff and are never starving and run around in nice little cars and pretty little houses nope. and all that other stuff. They're living on your estate. That's a failure of fiduciary responsibility. Wherever could you go to a trust and the trustee is living in a kingdom and you're living as a pauper on the streets and that's your estate he's abrogating. When does that make sense? See, that's the failure here. People need to be morally opposed to that. Why are they living high when there's such inequity? Why do we have uh, 40% or something, 30% of the population as convicted felons for drug abuse and stuff like that? When you create such systems, your state's creating that. Your state is creating this iniquity, and we're allowing it. Well, it has been creating you know, it for uh, generations, and it's just slowly well, now. It's it got to a head. It feeds, right. It feeds their need, okay? But again, 
when you sit from my mindset, they're doing their job because guess what? When I lay claim to that trust and all their hypothecation and fraud and it's on a negative ledger, guess what the other side of that ledger is going to have to pay us? Everything that's of a negative nature. We're in debt $15 trillion. No, I'm not in debt. The U.S. corporations in debt $15 trillion, abrogating insurance for the queen and the pope. That ain't my debt. That's what you owe me. In the Republic lands, you've been hypothecating because I'm the beneficiary and the creditor. I don't owe you nothing. That's fifteen trillion you owe us if we can close the trust, and that's my goal. Because once you close the last trust, all the ones behind it cascade, and it goes all the way back to the Pope because it's that claim. It's that kind of claim. That's how brilliant. Our founding fathers and mothers were. They are brilliant purveyors of natural law, and they set a trap for Lucifer. And I'm telling you. So you need to have your moral compass right. And that's what I'm going to tell you is the best defense you can have. And then you go and you find out about their administrative process and their particulars. And you research every particular that's at your avail, sir. And that's what you do. If that's your path and that's your moral compass and you set your mind to that, well, God will guide you. That's all I can tell you. God will guide you. Yeah, I've I've got my moral compass set with the driver's license. I'm not going to renew it, but I was thinking, wait, my mother or other people, how would they get around this so-called mandatory driver's license chip to get into the the, uh, disability office? I guess apparently you can't go into any federal office. You won't be able to go in there. Right. Th- those of us, those of us with the ability to fix it, and to risk uh, operating for self for under the mask of others, must take the step and do what we must do to the right. degree that we can. Just as those young men go over to the other side of the world, thinking that they're defending our righteous moral perpetuity, and really they're actually operating on the behest of uh, of land barons of old, of thousands of year old trusts. You know, we have to do what we perceive our path to do. But I'm going to tell anybody out there, if you have children, if you have immediate family at risk, then it is not expected of you, even in the eyes of God, to put others in harm's way. But those of us, me, you know, I'm a servant of God. I walk around with the armor as best I can, and I know that. I've been That's just my calling, okay? I'm able to do it. I, I put no one at risk. I have a family. I've had a conversation with my mother because they could come and squeeze my mom, and she said if they came and said, we need you to do this or we're going to kill her, I said, you make sure they just kill me. I said, you tell me. I've been, I've been wanting that one dead for a long time. We have that pact. We, my family is strong enough that we will not be used because that's what they do. So when you engage, we're all entangled here, especially with our families and our immediate kin. And when you stand up, they target them. Okay, they do. They come through us. These are not humans. These are not righteous spirits all the time that we deal with people. This is a spiritual construct manifested for allegory and metaphor into a into a physical manifestation where you can either be trapped in the flesh and spiritless or be a resurrected mind in the flesh but not controlled by it that's what this is so that you just need to be i just want to warn you because i think that it would be irresponsible of me to to lead to lead people to believe that they will not target your family they will and so but again most people, just it's a moral, 
if it's a good family and you say, look, I'm morally opposed to this, my family supports everything that I do. And if they don't, they distance themselves. And I understand that. But this is my calling. But just make sure. And I and everyone around me has paid the price. People around me have paid for what I do. And I just I just want to put that out there that this is none of us walk alone. Okay, none of us. Every time one of us does something and puts ourselves out there for everybody, we all either pay or benefit. And that's that's the way that works. That's what a usufruct is. So me walking as one and you walking, sir, as one, you do right by everybody if you do it in the path of of saying, I morally feel the need to do this. That's that's where you meet that's the root of all actions that you need to take is the morality that I want a better world, that I don't want poverty, that I don't want iniquity, that I'm tired of war. I want peace and prosperity and all these things and will that, you know, and all the things you do consciously say, God, guide me to be a righteous, good man. You put that out in the world and it'll speak to you. I promise you. So good luck with that. And it, it is a, it is a, it's a, it's a moral path. And it's, uh, I, I consider, I like the word paladin. You know what a paladin is? Uh-oh. Paladin is a warrior of, yeah, it's a warrior of righteousness. Okay. You know, and a paladin is a good knight, a white knight. Uh-huh. And and people need to be supportive of the people who risk themselves. Because like I said, I have to pay for everything. It's obligated. I can't claim bankruptcy. I go in, I actually take claims of bankrupts and allow them to not have to claim it so they can preserve their rights. Because if you claim bankruptcy and you get into the bankruptcy, then your substantial rights are already abrogated as a thing. Okay? And there's ways to get out of it, but it's that's after the state. I mean, there's, there's law, but most people don't know it. So stick with the moral compass, and you can't go wrong, because they can't make you comply with the state that you're morally opposed to. You've understood, they show that in the Sharia law. Why do you think that's in your face saying if you if you even profess a moral compass, they're gonna give you a seat on the city council in your own region of government. They're gonna they're gonna give you half of Michigan, you know? So if if people started professing moral compass instead of throwing all of their actions to these godless states, you'd get a little more respect because that they can't make you they cannot make you do something you're morally opposed to in the law. Okay? So just remember that. Wow, you know, um, that was a quick two hours, I tell you, two hours and 13 minutes to be exact. Um, wow. Can we do this again? Quick. Anytime. I love to, I love the opportunity to talk to people and answer questions. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to give. Like I said, I can't necessarily control what comes in my body, but I can control what comes out, can I? And it's wonderful. No. It's just, I, I, everybody's just, you know, listening so intently. I wanted to ask you, though, before I forget, do you have a website or a way for people to contact you? I do not. You? I'm working. I, the best way to contact me is through my email, which is lotusjustice at gmx.com. I have some emails I'm trying to get, or some websites I'm trying to get up. I got people helping me. Uh, and then, of course, you know, my uh, Facebook page or my uh, YouTube site, which wait, I, wait, I don't wait, know if you first, can do that. Wait, yeah, you could do it, but I don't belong to Facebook, but there are others that do. But let me. No, not I Facebook. Wanna... I'm sorry. YouTube. YouTube oh, would be. YouTube, I would prefer yeah. that people go over and watch the videos yeah. because I really hope that those will help uh, people give them a little insight to help them kind of break the. Get a, you got to break your mind free. And once you break your mind free and realize what you're looking at here, you're going to realize you're going to see a lot more than you 
you're, it's just going to open up to you. You're going to start yeah. seeing the world in a different way. Yeah. You've been programmed to think a certain way. And once you start thinking not in the way you've been programmed, it's a little easier. It's like the minefields are visible then. You know, you can see the minefields. Like and when you play video games and you get that special insight when you eat the magic mushroom and suddenly all the treasures are there. I mean, it really is like that. And it's, it's coming back to um, not allowing the godless state to define your existence and, and having a reasonable argument. So, yeah, um, lotusjustice at gmx.com is my email. gmx.com. Uh, yeah, G, yeah okay. georgemichaelxray.com. And then, of course, I have... Yeah, and then I was I'm gonna I'm trying to get a website out. I actually have uh, oh, coms and stuff. What's your What's your YouTube? The YouTube is Sir Crash S Y R C R A S H, and it's and you know I have a Dropbox and stuff for like the Riddick conspiracy. Uh, if you search Lotus Justice on YouTube, uh, my my videos come up. Okay. Okay. And because um, I put those in the search parameter for all of those. And I put them in a series, you know, starting with the one that I did first, uh, where I was just trying to say, hey, everybody stop fighting with each other. You got other people, bigger fish to fry here. And uh, we just need to start cooperating in a reasonable, logic fashion. And, and be, you know, sit and think about where we're at and stop fighting with everybody. Because as long as they keep us fighting each other, we never really pay attention to what they're doing. And that's right. why we fight principalities, not the flesh. They, they want us to fight the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They want us to fight flesh, and we're fighting principalities. That's why you have to come from a moral standing and say, and everybody has that right. Everybody has the right to say, I don't support this, and they can't make you. And I don't care how obscure that is, if you truly are morally opposed. So... Um, that's oh, we the have, best thing I can tell. We have another person that has their hand up. You want one more question? Okay. Sure, sure. Okay, Bowler. Sure. You've been unmuted. Hi, all. I got a call. I, not to keep this short, but I was looking into some stuff before when I noticed who was going to be on and found a case on docs.com. Yeah. Did you put that on there? It's um, U.S. District Court. District of Columbia, where you're actually on here as the plaintiff and the defendant? Um, well, you cross the bar. Uh, your Sustake actually pays the bonds. If you read the Bankruptcy Act of uh, 1898, the claim is being brought against the bankrupt, and the, cl- the plaintiff is supposed to bring a bond. In all cases now, your Sustake actually pays that bond for you. They go and abrogate your Sustake, so you sue yourself. Your hypothecation sues the real man. So in every claim against you, a municipal court, a ticket, or whatever, they're actually going to your straw man, your all-capital Roman, Romanian name, which is in all capitals, which is the trust, and they are having the trust pay the bond to bring a claim against the flesh because the flesh is damaging the Sustake. The, the spirit is, is is damaging the flesh, the suscate the, the suscate of God. So your your straw man actually pays the bond in bankruptcy to bring the claim against you, the spirit. So when you do that, when you cross the bar in that claim, if you're talking Lotus versus United States, everybody as a as the relator, okay, 
is in flesh resurrected. Everybody on the other side of the bar is a hypothecation in the corporate fiction, including straw man. So Might that is like a dividing line. I'm sorry, say that again, sir. Do you mind if I link that into the chat room and say... No, I, that, I, I have no problem with that. And here's the interesting thing about that. The interesting thing about that, yeah, because I can't, I can't use that name anymore. All your names, everybody's name has been stolen. Trademark, server mark have been stolen uh, from everybody. Your incarnate name is stolen from you and hypothecated, okay? And you can't well, use it. Well, I can't use it in what I'm doing. I mean, you can argue, but I, I have, I am parsing the bar. I, what I've been doing over the course of the last six years is literally separating the bar, okay, and saying you're over here and you're over here. In that particular case, there's the thing about it is there's four or five listings that are notices of noncompliance. Those are really important things to read as well. They made me, when I went in there, write writ, which they should never have made me do anything when it comes to writing writ because I just made law. They said, for every uh, rule of the court you're not in compliance with, you're going to have to write a notice of noncompliance. One of them was that I didn't provide, I provided a PO box instead of a res ident. So I defined what a res was and said, I'm not a res ident, I am a not well, they're an action rim. So they're also if you, complaining about yeah, you using you, a persona too, our lotus, and saying that you're Well, really actually, that persona. That, well, that persona is actually uh, now crossed over in my passport. My passport has a writer for that name. Um, and if okay. you look also, the pleading, the pleadings were done in lowercase. And if you actually look to the case, they hypothecated the name with mixed uppercase and lowercase in a variety of different yeah, combinations yeah, so they could that. create different bonds. So they created three or four bonds off one case because that is a trust case. That that case actually, uh, I believe, is actually going to be turned into a banking platform for the republic because it's an open claim. Since I've separated the bar, anybody can join that claim with the proper uh, claim in Joinder because what it's doing is it's creating a claim window between the trust and the, and the real resurrected flesh, okay? That's what that claim established. If you look into it, and this is not on the record, in that particular case, the judge in the case closed it prior to 40 days with no motion and closed it for improper venue. Then the, and, if, and he had to write a letter. Okay, it should be in there. The bankruptcy court of the District of Columbia came and got the case, reconstructed it, put the rid of conspiracy back in, removed a writ of Corwanto. No, no, no. Audita Corella. I wrote a writ of Audita Corella against the higher court, which I did not have a perfected default in. They removed everything that was not of the perfected default and sent it back to me stamped in red reconstructed without the district DC stamp on it. So they crossed the bar into bankruptcy willfully. And then the district court judge refused to give, who said he had no venue, jurisdiction, refused to leave, to let me leave the venue. That I didn't even ask to leave. The bankruptcy court came and got the claim. He told the bankruptcy court that I couldn't leave. So that's, and that sits in perpetuity because it's a claim in equity. There's no statute on that. That is an open claim with a clear bar. Resurrected flesh, instruments of commerce. With five notices of noncompliance, which define res, things, rights of persons, and all that stuff. 
So that's a very interesting claim of this wall there. Yeah, but you can see the hypothecation. It shows a lot of stuff in there. I uh, I actually need to go. I'm sorry, sir? It has all the links to everything that was done in the case. Yes, I was just... Yeah. I'll have to read through the rest. No, of I appreciate that. No, I think that that's an important case. That's a very important case. It's going to be brought back in the law in the next year or so, because I, I do plan to try to build a banking platform with that. I just have, I'm talking to individuals who are versed in bonding and trust uh, wrapping of bonds, because that's a perfected default for quite a lot of money. And it's not a question of whether they have to pay. It's done. It's a perfected default. That was a writ uh, demanding so, uh, demand uh, default judgment, or basically give me the right to go over here and claim it. And so it's a it's a claim established and claim of equity in the proper, literally the only district court of the United States in the District of Columbia, the true district court. And then the bankruptcy court in the District of Columbia came and got it across the bar and created the instrument itself. They created it. They they created an instrument all of their own, but that's actually an offer settlement. So the bankruptcy court, District of Columbia offered me a settlement. I haven't taken it yet. And I, and I don't feel compelled to, to deal with it at this point in time because I don't, I'm not here for my own personal venture. Oh, it's not like they're going to pay you have one for coin anyways. I'm sorry, sir. It's not I'm like sorry? they're going to pay you. In, it's not like they're going to pay you in silver coin anyways, right? No, 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 no. It'd be offsets. It'd be offsets. It'd be, it would be a bankruptcy platform and offsets and adjustments. But if it's a bankruptcy platform that creates a, a claim window for the Republic Trust, then, then that's all we need. See, there's proper ways to create banks and to create wealth by instruments of law. And people want to cheat that. And that, that, look, we're looking for an evolution, not a revolution. We don't want to collapse the entire international banking or UCC structure. We are here to correct its course and bring, bring it to the law. That's our job, okay? I have to run because I have a client calling me. That's okay. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Call and, me uh, again. Call again, guys. Call me again. All right, great. Thank you so much. Good night. Okay, everybody, that's it. Uh, it's been a good call. Um, We'll do it again next Thursday. Next Thursday, we have scheduled um, Ken Dost. I had some requests for him, so he'll be joining us next Thursday. Um, Other than that, stay cool. Have a great weekend, and I love you, and take care of each other, and we'll do it again next Thursday. Good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus